the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC 285 Breakdown. Bones is back, and so are we. Face. Sorry for being late. Appreciate you guys joining me. Hopefully you guys hearing this okay. We're unmuted. It's Dan Tom here from MMA Junkie Action Network. Host of this here shit show, the Protect Your Neck podcast. Uh, thanks for being here, liking, subscribing. Don't really deserve either, but appreciate it. On this year program, of course, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today tonight. Whenever you're listening to this, hopefully it's before the fight. Recording this Thursday night, somewhat usual time. It's like 6.30. I think I said I was going to be here at like 6.17 or 6.15. Apologies, don't deserve y'all. Y'all are too good. But we're going to get through this uh, as I tweet out live. I think we're probably going live on Twitter. This is the first time I extended it to the Twitter broadcast. So probably like, hi, you might see me. Uh, this this mug on the time uh, line. Unfortunately, Aaron Bronstead are not with me like usual when you see it on there. We're still going to be doing our preview show. Had to kind of juggle um, that around. I think we're going to try to record it. Minyana. Um, so for now, you got me, and I'm going to give you guys what I got. And, it, you know, kind of like semi-regular fashion, I'll probably, you know, if I miss any tidbits, check out my guy Aaron's show. Shout to at Aaron Bronstetter. Everybody else doing great work. Hopefully you guys are all doing well as uh, I go to tweet and share this out because I'm so very prepared. Um, I didn't even write my plays down. Do have plays. Do have fights broken down. Did... <laughs> Managed to one uh, to run at least one more fight through the comb fully uh, than I usually do, plus some takes and leans elsewhere. So I'm going to give you guys all that. Check the timestamps if you're listening in the future. Future um, again, make my effort to do those for the show notes if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for the five star ratings and review. Still need to get on the uh, just adding it to the list uh, of everything. Uh, but uh, yes, I'm just trying to save you guys um, the excuses. You guys know how it is. It's fight week. It's a big fight week. It's a fight week in my backyard, so you know the uh, the universe is uh, out <laughs> and the hurdles are the hurdles are up. So uh, apologies if I haven't gotten back to all of you. Apologies those of you in town. I would love to see you and, and be around for the fight week festivities, but uh, alas, uh, missing some tonight, and we'll probably uh, hopefully not miss some this weekend because uh, there's some people in town I really would like to and I'm planning to see but as the MMA gods are I'm always very afraid to mention things right I just like you know oh the MMA gods I got that kind of like affect going on where I'm just kind of like in general all right sorry if I sound disjointed folks it's uh the whole usual walk and talk when you are the one man show uh producer host uh, and all that so we're going to be getting to it here too for just one card to recap uh, nothing crazy to you know, go off on uh, so winning night last card UFC Vegas 70 whatever the fuck it was um, that that was cool 
Um, hey, look at that. I am on here. Okay, that is cool. All right, it's working. It's working. Um, yeah, let me uh, still tweet it out just for, you know, why not? Live now. Breaking down. Hashtag UFC 285. Join here. All right. Uh, apologies, no guest um, this week. I was trying to get a big uh, guest for you guys, but um, maybe it was better that I didn't because like I was talking to the, the, the guest, which we may try to do a recap show for you guys. I'm not doing a live, um, whatchamacallit, I'm not doing a live uh, <clears throat> commentary with my guy, Ant Walker. I've been loving doing those. Feel free to give me feedback. Hopefully you guys are appreciating it. Um, you know, whether it's the audio uh, the day after on the podcast feed, the live, or just going back to watch the video. Uh, let me know how you guys are liking that. Not going to happen this week again. I'm going to try to, um, God forbid, try to, go, you know, see some people in town and watch the fights with friends. Um, we'll see if I, I pay enough to the Piper all week to get that honor. Uh, but that's what I'm planning on doing. So don't expect that from me. But I will be giving you guys a recap show. Maybe like I was rounding the corner. That is what I will use to, um, you know, fulfill my uh, non-contractual agreement I have with you guys to give you guys some type of guest on a fight week. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it, my I, uh, hopefully, you know, it's not too noticeable. I've been, like, on it like crazy with medicine from last time. But, yeah, my eye is acting up again. It's, uh, yeah, and, you know, I, no, cornea checks for damage, uh, no infections or conjunctivi or anything like that. Um, it just starts getting irritated. It hurts and like deep inside and then will swell from the top or this time it's been swollen from the bottom. And uh, it's just really annoying and uh, just makes everything else not fun. Um, YouTube, uh, again, not that I deserve it. Although, again, coming off a winning week, which we're going to recap here too for very shortly. I uh, finally come off a winning week and, you know, even though, you know, like my guy Liam uh, picks fights, uh, shout out to Liam, was, was pointing out in the live chat. I'm going to get to you guys. Appreciate you. See you in there. Rhea Sosen Truesdale, Chronic Combat Conversations and the rest. Uh, but as my man Liam was pointing in the chat, like, he's like, you know, and a lot of other people, by the way, have t told me on the low, like, yo, you should be charging for your content. And like, when I'm on this epic losing streak, hard to go against character and charge for content or even, like, you know, itty-bitty pieces on that spectrum as far as, like, you know, reminding that, you know, hey, you know, uh, super, uh, what is it, super chat, super donation, super like, super thanks, or whatever, the monetization of the YouTube, right? And I'm like, boy, I might actually, like, not feel bad maybe just doing some kind of quick, quick plug for that this week. And sure enough, uh, YouTube, is along with Dropbox and literally every other program, because again, like I said, folks, I get, for those of you listening, I know this is all repetitive for like five years now, over a decade, half a decade. Yeah, it is a big fight week, and with my 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 uh, my luck, uh, when it comes to certain things. But yeah, um, everything was just not not working, and YouTube decided randomly for more verification, which they could, you know, insert Adam Sandler voice. They could have asked that yesterday, or like last week, or any other time in the timeline. And uh, I promptly fulfill their requests, and now it's like, oh, it'll probably take like a few days. And I'm like, oh, just in time for all of my content that already dies on the vine to be dead on the vine. So, um, yeah, I'll just use this opportunity, and I'll, I'll do it at the end to, uh, even though I won't have time, and, uh, you know, I've been bitching way too much on this podcast, so I'm going to try to cut 
fat where I can. But yeah, uh, I'll do a plug now and a plug later. Just again, mixedmarshallanalyst.com. Sports is your program. Uh, there is a, you know, uh, click throughs. If you uh, want to, uh, if you have to, you know, shop at uh, companies like uh, Amazon or on it, you just do the click through, buy whatever proteins, whatever Amazon stuff you buy. Uh, no extra cost to you. Small percentage of your purchase gets kicked back to this year program. And it's very appreciative. And above those links, which you can find to the right, maybe a little scroll down, maybe a slight toggle to the right if you're on a mobile uh, on mixedmarshallanalyst.com, there is a secure PayPal link. Same PayPal link you could find uh, at Dan Tom MMA. Um, as you guys see here, uh, as I do that weird thumbs up, like, uh, you know, creepy. Uh, but, you know, pointing to the ad Dan Tom MMA uh, on Twitter, where I'm most active. Although, you know, it's not even like, uh, it's funny, like, I, I, I'm seeing, like, all, like, random, and people still friends that I interact with, but, like, some people I follow, some people I don't mainly. And, like, actual verified accounts of people that I'm, like, actually friends with, both on the site and in real life. Um, I don't see any of those. It's weird, you know, like whether it's my guy Aaron Brownstetter, my guy Dan Stupp, uh, Paulie Felder, uh, replied to one of my John Jones things uh, that, that I, uh, the hand fighting suite. I, I, none of this stuff. I don't know what, what, what the fuck uh, Husk Musk over there is uh, doing. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not been fun. But yeah, on Twitter, at DanTomMMA, you'll find a link tree in my bio. And it's the same, you know. PayPal link there. All right, shameless plugs out of the way. Fuck you, YouTube. Uh, am I going to get pulled for that? Uh, either way, it's okay. I curse anyways. Uh, cover your ears, folks. I always put the explicit on these shows, whether I curse or not, just because I know myself. I know myself. Um, let's see in the chat. Uh, we got a chronic combat conversation. There's no t party like a Danton party. There's no late party like a Danton party. What's up, guys? Appreciate you. Um, there we go, my guy Alvin Yakatori here. Uh, we live in an era where fans call each other names and disrespects and opinions for no reason. I don't understand it as a way... Uh, I don't understand it as it is not the martial arts... It's not the way martial artists carry themselves. Sorry, my uh, Bill Burr-like terrible reading comprehension. Yeah, um... It is, it is funny how, you know, how prevalent that is in, in the martial arts space. And again, we could have a separate conversation of... You know, martial arts are created at the end of the day to hurt people and, you know, uh, mainly exploited by military and a lot of the woo-woo stuff has been co-opted by business and, and and kind of misrepresented over the years to where what came first, the chicken or the egg? Not trying to unpack that messy conversation, but to my man Alvin's point, yeah, yeah, it is, again, kind of, you know, kind of like my point uh, last week. It is funny how, like, we're all weirdos at the end of the day who appreciate something, but, like, you know, we're very selective, you know, we're very gatekeepery of, of you know, uh, what weirdos are, are okay, what weirdos aren't, even though we're some of the weirdest MFers out there. So, don't make much sense to me, but I appreciate your positivity, Alvin Yakatori, who adds, let's root for all the fighters, whether you are a fan or not of said fighters, let's all just appreciate and hope for good performances and good health. I don't know if the betters can fully sign off on that, Alvin, but I definitely... I definitely appreciate that uh, that 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 positive message. Uh, Rio Sozin Truesdale. Generally, do you ever get mad at a fighter when they change their style and some habits for a specific matchup, um, and it goes away and it goes against your analysis? Well, I mean, again, we're we're, we're stepping into 
the betting part of me and betters again, hey, they probably get a bit annoyed at that, right? Obviously, can you really get mad at the person, the martial artist? No, obviously not. You take notes. You, uh, you know, as John Kavanaugh says, win or learn. Uh, probably uh, <laughs> applies there. Um, party time. What's up? Uh, James Kendrick, sorry, I have to start out with something negative. What are your thoughts on analyst Sean Humes? I have have this understanding. Oh, I don't know about that. I've had Sean on the show, man. Sean's awesome. Um, I don't know if you're citing anything in particular. I know Sean does a lot of basketball analysis. Um, I mainly see him tweeting on the timeline on that, but I got love for Sean Humes. We actually did a top five, uh, like, camp tools and whatnot. And, um, you know, also I'll give Sean uh, credit. He has some some really good WMMA calls and receipts um, that go back for multiple fights. So, um, you know, hey, to each their own, though, man. I'm not saying, you you know, telling you uh, who to like or who to not like, James. I You know, I appreciate your opinion, man. Jim Karasu, are you a fan of soft pretzels injected with spray cheese inside? I, you know what I'm a sucker for? I am a sucker, especially if uh, well, Dan Thompson the bee is there. <laughs> He's not cutting it out of his diet. Um, you know, w- when there's appetizers, like... Uh, you got a, you give me a pretzel and a cheese or a pretzel and a beer cheese. I'm I'm a sucker. Don't ah oh, oh, I think the place I'm missing out and going tonight with some friends and some colleagues in town has has a nice uh, definitely has a good beer selection and has a pretzel and beer cheese. Uh, oh my goodness! So you guys better eat one for me. I'm I'm here for the show, baby. Um, but yeah, that I will I will answer. Synchro wing, Dan Tom. Is cool, I, I guess. I'll take it. Uh, I don't think so, though, for the record. But I, I think you're cool for being here. Uh, Synchro Wing says, I know you get hate for picks and plays. Sure. <laughs> However, whether I disagree with your picks or not, I always respect your thoughts and opinions as you are very studious in your work. I appreciate that. That's all I can ask for. Again, uh, whether it's with me or another analyst, I keep the same energy, folks, like you just saw. it's You're more than welcome to like who you like. And if we disagree, it's completely cool, man. Like, the fact that you're all here chopping it up, you know. Uh, speaking of other analysts, we got my guy Ghost Phantom in the house. Under oh, underhook, under the ass from half guard. Overhook and butterflies from the open guard. Dan Hooker with the low guard. I like it. I like it. Why did, Why does that one come up uh, all small there? I'm going to make it a little bit bigger. <laughs> That's what he... Anyways, the Jack Slack timestamp playlist in Project. Uh, hello, Dan. Um, I have completed timestamps 88 out of 204 episodes of the Jack Slack podcast. I have a long way to go, but wanted to with yourself and a great, oh, wish myself a, a well and a great show. Well, thank you. And I appreciate what you're doing, not just for me, but for other people's podcasts. Um, that's a labor of love there. So like for the sake of not even my show, for the sake of a, a much, uh, uh, a much more respected show. And I don't mean that with any like winks or nudges. I just genuinely, you know, respect Jack Slack. Uh, for that sake, why don't you go give uh, my guy here who I have on the screen, the Jack Slack timestamp and play this project, give him some subscriptions and likes. I don't know, man. Like, just, he doesn't seem like he's doing it for that, but, you know. Why not encourage good people doing good things? My guy, Matty G, Matt Joya, the the, the biggest Black Rifle Coffee fan on the mats. Uh, <laughs> for those who get that reference, what's up, Matt, Matt Joya? Um, you know what I need? I need some Seos again in my life. That's one of the best grappling podcasts uh, around. And shout out to the Grappling Hour too, my guy Rafa Sparza, uh, one of my favorite uh, subscriptions. I was late to the party, but with my verbal tap, one of my favorite podcasts for like the last decade, 
um, you know, uh, not not doing new shows at the moment. Um, I, you know, got to support the grappling podcast. So shout out to my guy Matt Joy who says, "What was the worst game plan that went against your bets?" Question mark. I think mine might be Rumble Cormier too when Rumble uh, decided he was Kale Sanderson. Wow. Yeah. You know, a lot of people I respected, um, analysts included, Matt, for what it was worth. We're taking the shot on Rumble Johnson in that second fight. Um, oh man, I remember that one. I was just talking about, um, you know, rest in peace there, Rumble Johnson, uh, with someone who trained him, trained with him. And uh, uh, well, it's not really stirring tribute material, much less podcast material. So maybe I'll uh, I'll save those. Uh, if anyone from the MMA analysis hit me up, uh, I've got some information to pass to you uh, that's more along your lines of analysis. But you know, uh, back to that fight. Yeah, that that I mean, I I, I did pick Cormier. I was uh, as you guys know, uh, I, I'm uh, you know, uh, not as much probably because he's not fighting. But uh, you know, I was I was I was a pretty big Cormier stand uh, for when he was fighting. Would always defend that guy. Um, but yeah, that uh, which one to answer Matt's question? What would be the game plan? Boy, I mean, I guess that that kind of falls under bad bets. But yeah, a specific type of bad bet, right? Where it's like, yeah, they go completely against your game plan. Like, who could have seen that coming? Um, I can't think of one, but I bet you there's like so many beats. Uh, I'm just on the spot right now. I will, I will. If something jumps to my head, I will definitely answer that later and and shout and cite. Uh, and, and cite you. My guy TB Scouting in the house. Keep up the amazing work. The best dessert show out there. I appreciate that as dessert because, you know, I'm like the, like, the, like the lines, my friend. I am last to the party. Um, jo- thoughts on John Jones fan base? Yeah, we're going to get to this this, this soon. Uh, really annoying, question mark? Yeah, people are finding out again that, like, again, not to go on that same psychoanalytical thing just to say that front... Running fans exist in every sporting aspect and genre, and they're just annoying, right? Even if you're the fans of the same thing as them, kind of a deal. Um, but yeah, it is essentially that. And if you guys remember that rant saying with like, you know, you see it with uh, Khabib a lot because he's one of the few people with the undefeated sample size. Um, you know, uh, even Jones, obviously no one counts the Hamill as a defeat, but even Jones has asterisks to an actual defeat on his record from Hamill to, you know... You really look at you know the damaging shots uh, of the of the uh, you know Tiago Santos more specifically the Dominic Reyes fight I think is the one where we all just fully kind of get hung up on. Um, Khabib doesn't have that. He's got a zero next to his name, and with people always wanting to be right and attach their bandwagon and coattail being a human nature thing, especially if you're not happy with your lot in life, you're like one of these trolls. It's like yeah, you're essentially you're really gonna because. Um, being right in some stupid little reply comment section on a stupid site like Twitter means a lot for a lot of people whether they realize it or not. And yeah, when you... So therefore, a lot of the, you know, Khabib, the John Joneses, they're going to have really annoying fan bases because you're just going to have a bunch of front-running losers who are upset because they're not trying to do anything with their life. It doesn't have to be athletic, uh, you know, uh, things or anything like that, but like, yeah, and it's like I'm going to attach, hitch, hitch myself to that wagon and run into every conversation um, headfirst, using it as an annoying shield because goat, bro, undefeated, bro, dominant, bro. How do you bet against goat, bro? Right, and we'll get to it, but I'm not doing myself any favors with my uh, official pick. Uh, spoiler alert: it's not a confident pick because 
spoiler alert, that shouldn't be a spoiler because no matter what side you're on in this fight, we will talk about Jones versus Gunn. How can you really be confident? Again, maybe I'm setting myself up to be right in that Volkanovski uh, Makachev sense where I really didn't think I said anything crazy or was that right. It's just everybody gets so passionate. Again, Makachev, unilateral bit to that Khabib fan base, everybody gets so passionate about certain fighters and um, it just gets really annoying. It gets really annoying. Again, Ensign, baby. Indecision Records. Punk rock band. Uh, you know, uh, love the music, hate the kids. Uh, that is me all the way, baby. That is me. I love the music. I hate the kids. Uh, well, then you're a boomer. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, <laughs> Listen, I had to uh, I had to share the uh, octagon with uh, who you're talking about there, Mr. Joy, the other day. <laughs> <laughs> I would be careful about putting some of these up there. <laughs> this sounds Jim Cross, that sounds delicious. Uh that sounds delicious in reference to my spray pretzel comment. We'll try your recommendation. Yeah, any kind of salted pretzel with beer cheese um are awesome. Um Choi B, I will get to this question when we get to the joints. So I'm gonna push on here. Uh but Choi B, thank you for joining. Uh says, Is Joan still goat? If he loses to Gon, is he the GOAT, though? I think that is more the question. Um, I've definitely laxed on my performance-enhancing drug stances, right? I don't think they were really that crazy or hard or, you know, woke moralist or anything like that, you know, uh, up on a high mountain. And as certainly of, you know, you know man, every, everybody's on steroids, man. Everybody's on steroids. Like, it doesn't surprise me. That being said, if we are having these hypothetical conversations where we have to split hairs, yeah, when you have multiple, you know, regardless of if USADA says it's okay or not, like, I'm not going to play that game. I'm going to keep the same energy. I think USADA's a joke. I think it's a dog and pony show. I think that people are still coming in jacked. We're catching marijuana users, and we're catching even less actual performance enhancing by the meaningful terms or what we st you know standardly deem meaningful terms we're catching even less of them because of said adjustments to the levels that they quietly did at the beginning of the pandemic so yeah um when you have guys like G gsp or demetrius johnson who uh haven't had to deal with that you know um <laughs> DJ's over there fighting, you know, who knows what he's having to fight with these hydration tests over there. He's fighting even, you know, bigger guys, you know. He's fighting like 135, uh, 145 tweeners over there in one. Um, but, yeah, um, so, you know, I'm not trying to challenge if you think it's, I'm not trying to, you know, die on any hills there, folks. But let's be honest, it is what it is. That If you want to have those hypothetical conversations, that is something that's going to come up on the John Jones side. Um, so... Uh, apologies. Uh, I don't know what I'm talking about there. Yeah, we're going to get to uh, a recap here. Just one thing uh, I do want to say. Because, um, uh, like, let, let, again, last week I was like, ah, I was all really down and, like, ah, fucking emotional and all this shit. And then, of course, you know, you end up having the winning week and stuff. And, uh, and uh, of course, um, thankfully, thank you guys for checking in. Uh, my dog, the uh, his limp notes, which we thought were swollen, uh, were clear and the tumors we had checked um these ones weren't cancerous they're just they're they're fatty tissues thankfully so uh, those tests came back thank you all for that and I, I was feeling like dumb i was like 
dude, I just get like, you know, you know, emotional for nothing. I know, you know, um, it's been a lot of just, you know, cancer and other death and other things going on as well that rightfully make me feel the way I do. But I was like, wow, was I getting all emotional? Was it, was it all for nothing? Like you want anyways, and we'll get to that. Um, uh, and you know, the dog was fine, but, uh, it's funny, right? So then come Saturday after, you know, Friday, get the good news of the dog. Saturday, we, we win some bets. So like, come Sunday, I was like, dude, I feel, I feel stupid. Like what I, what I, what I just do my listeners showing your ass. Da, 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 da. Being honest, you know, why don't you just be like everybody else and act like shit doesn't bother you like everybody else. Cause that's healthy and that's normal. <laughs> right. But, uh, yeah. So I was like, oh, this is stupid. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm grateful. Guess, guess it's all for nothing. Maybe, huh? And I want to be careful how I state this because I'm not going to answer any follow-up questions on this for respect to the privacy of the people. But um, I, if you're wondering, well, okay, Dan, yeah, YouTube thing sucks. Okay, technology messing with you. That happens to you all the time. That happens to everybody. Cry me a river, right? Um, your eye thing acting up. Okay, that sucks. Also ironic, you know. Uh, that it happens after you defending a bet you lost and doing the right thing. Now you're just like stuck with some weird issues. It's really weird. You're trying to get down to the okay, whatever. Fine, 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 fine. Maybe maybe that is bullshit for me to complain about. Here's what kind of kickstarted this week into the uh, you know because Sunday's a real crucial day. It's my only day to do you know uh, not just decompress because I don't really get to do that, um, but like you know do all the you know cleaning. Uh, grocery slash store shopping for multiple people that I take care of, uh, trying to get ahead, all these things that I just get jealous seeing all y'all watching the footballs and doing the whatever Sunday stuff with the family. I, I'm so envious of that. I'm so envious of that. Uh, but I was like, you know, I, I think I can still get some work done. I'm going to go. Uh, I didn't even want to say too much. Um, I essentially was in a scenario that was like, uh, you know, I wasn't in a football game or anything, but it was essentially that DeMar Hanlon scenario. Um, this is just not a thing to, to talk about me or my body. I just, this is more of a, for you and everybody, this is just something that just really struck me. Just no CPR guys. I, I had someone very close to me. Um, it, again, no, Drugs, nothing, nothing like that. Just healthy, you know. Again, like the Demore Hamlin things, people you wouldn't expect. Just boom, they drop. They just they go off. I'm gonna spare you the details. Pretty traumatic shit, actually. It's very traumatic. Um, and essentially, had someone. I've already, you know, uh, I lost enough, you know, people. We've all lost people. Grant, I lost enough people. Not like this, in your arms, like a fucking movie, right? And. Luckily, me and the people, there were people around, and even though I beat myself up because you're just like, ah, crap, like if, you know, did you act fast enough? Did you do this? The fact is I didn't, you know, like other situations and this or that, um, you know, whether security and fights or this or that, I didn't freeze, I acted. Whether you remember, whether you're clear-headed or not, I acted and I got to action. So thankfully the other people in the room, we all got to action. You know, someone got on the phone. Uh, pulse head support, ran compression, stayed on, stayed on compressions. Um, mouth to mouth, I was a, a little nervous about if we had to go to that, but kind of like the Demar Hamlin incident, you know, um, and the fallout from that reminders and stuff of CPR. And as those things progress, staying on chest compressions is really important. And we were able to bring this person 
Which was confirmed later by the time the paramedics showed up. We brought the person back to life from feeling no pulse to nothing. And uh, I'm not saying to be proud or happy or this. I don't need anything. I don't need any follow-up questions. I don't need any good... No, no. This is like just real-life shit. And having just both the experience of someone dying in your arms and doing the whole movie thing with like mouth-to-mouth or, you know, CPR and then they're back to life. Having both those things in a two-for-one was very uh, overwhelming to start my day off on Sunday, so I didn't do any work on Sunday, needless to say, and I've still been kind of de- decompressing from that. Um, so, yeah, I went from last week to going, like, yeah, all emotional shit, and, like, you know, was it for nothing? And then, was it all for nothing? Look, the dog's fine. Look, you got a winning week. Boom! Next day, fucking almost losing another, you know, person in my life, and it just, like, was like, fuck, dude. Can I get some chill? Can I get some chill? So, guys, gals, please. I haven't done CPR qualification courses since 2006 or seven since I was a lifeguard out here in Vegas. Please, please do yourself a favor. I don't care if it's a YouTube video or actual certification course, cert course. Please. Um, I, I don't care what your job is. Like, you would be doing yourself a, and, and potentially saving someone's life in the future. Um, by just familiarizing yourself with um, with CPR. So that's all I want to say on it. I don't want to move on. I don't want to talk about it. But uh, please, please learn some CPR. All right, 28 minutes in. We went uh, UFC Vegas uh, 70 recap here. Uh, 30. Uh, we went 7-3 and three overall, 2-3 and three in uh, props. 3 out of 4 in the round robin, uh, which meant we went, of course, 0 for 1 in the long shot parlay. Uh, plus 4.2235 units. I can't read my handwriting again like, like normal guys. Um, it would have been like a plus 27 <laughs> unit night though. It was one swing if the best submission fighter on the card didn't get submitted and uh, make me look like an ass. How about that? There's a good there you go Matt Joya. Let's go with the uh, let's go with recency bias. When you uh, one of the few times you know, Again, even when I'm pretty bullish on something, I'm always good about arguing the other side and this and that, right? And very few times do you see me go like, you know, like, uh, you know, do you see me like acting like, you know, like just being like a betting bro out here being like, yo, man, yo, he's just built different, dog. He's just built different. He's got... And I'll just like saying accolades that you know, like you know, like like like, like the people that are just like shout like you know wrestling accolades or whatever accolades like they mean something, and they don't even know what it means, and it starts biting them in the ass when they look bad on matchups like the matchup that I look bad on. And I'm about to talk about right now, which ended up being the headliner of the card, uh, which actually deserved to be more than the headliner. But yes, you get what I'm saying there. Chaos, chaos. Yes, sir. Of course I'm out here. Of course. Again, this is why I don't do it, folks. This is why I don't do it. Because, again, I'm very grateful. I'm very fortunate. I'm very privileged. But when it comes to circumstantial luck, again, like the Meet the Parents movies, like your anger management movies, the Adam Sandlers, I cannot watch those. Not because they're not great movies. It's because they literally give me PTSD because people are laughing and they're like, ha, 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 circumstances has him feeling awkward. Like, that is my life. Uh, you know, like, I can't enjoy that. That is not, no, this is not funny to me. This is, this is Dan Tom's, this is, this is Rocco's modern life. This is Dan Tom's modern life, you know? 
Um, yes, because I have that kind of luck to where when I'm like, yo, bro, you need some issue, bro. You don't understand. He's a savage, bro. Um, and I start like getting into my like, you know, early Rogan Bravo podcast where they go a little too deep mode, right? Um, of course my ass was going to, uh, of course that was going to happen. It was funny because, spoiler alert, I did, um, uh, again, I had the house that's fucked with me before, um, the, my bookie, um, I think I saw some like questionable stuff there, I wasn't sure, and it's it's been hard to, uh, you know, they don't have the greatest lines anyway, so I've been looking for other places to round robin, to be honest, and uh, I'm such a dummy, shout out to uh, listener Martin P there, uh, that I didn't realize BetMGM's got some um, uh, round robin stuff, but they don't let you do rounds, right? And I'm like, oh crap, luckily last week I just went like, uh, shouts to my uh, Jewish brothers and sisters there. I was using the fiddler on the roof uh, gift, the tradition, tradition, uh, submission, right? That's where the, uh, that's the uh, gift for, you know, me and my very clearly up-to-date references for this crowd. Um, yeah, it was all submissions last week anyways, which it'll let me parlay methods or round-robin methods, right? And even then, like, it'll even limit to what you can get. I, I, I guess my total winnings was like within what it allowed me to. So it allowed me to go all submissions. I think we had Selecki, um, a lot, and um, who else? We had Suarez, and of course, again, Muniz, who we're talking about here, going from top to bottom. And I uh, better pull up, you know, results here, because I'm so prepared. Let's see, Vegas, 70 results. Um, so it didn't bite me in the butt, but I was told, which I'm going to go actually finally go check out the Circa. Again, I'm a Las Vegas local. It's so hard for me to get out of the house and like, get to places. Actually going to go try to check out the Circa this weekend, but apparently their app lets you round robin. I'm going to toy with that. I'm hoping they at least let me do rounds. Again, I can't go uh, like my guy, shout out to Brad Tashchuk. I can't go like Brad T style and, uh, uh, and other of y'all who can you know maybe do the, um, I don't know. I may have shouldn't recommend uh, reference my friends in Canada because they've been getting messed with with their books so absolute sympathies to them but like if you're playing at a house for example where you can really have fun with the round robins and do method rounds you know get get real big numbers on there um that'd be awesome but uh yeah I'm hoping the Circa app will allow me to at least incorporate rounds in the round robin uh, again folks who who knew being in Vegas you get the crap lines again folks if I got the round three year decision or <laughs> Fight goes to split decision. If I was, oh my god, oh my god, count yourself lucky, count yourselves lucky. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it was funny though, right? So yeah, we have to, in answer to Matt, Matt Joy's question, when is the analysis really reversed on you and annoyed you or whatever? I guess in some form or fashion, uh, he worded that. That will be my answer right there. That's a that's a crappy one because, um, you know. Again, Alan looked great, and I'm happy for Alan, and I'm glad he got bonus and uh, kept that same energy on Twitter, even on fight night. It was already a winning night. You guys know me. It's, you know, I'll bitch on here or whatever, like half-heartedly, but you know, you know me. It's all uh, I, I try to keep that same energy. Try to be all class. Um, at the end of the day, try. Uh, but uh, yeah, like you know, I mean, he's like not moving even off his back at all. Like, uh, just. Real bad luck, you know, real bad luck. Um, didn't get to the wrestling until uh, round two, which, you know, that key scramble. Maybe I look like a genius there betting him uh, round two sub and by submission. Um, but uh, to be honest, I already made peace with my bet because, again, I, it was a winning night, folks, again. Uh, like I said, that's why I was just rooting for Allen by the end of it. But, yes, 
keeping with the theme for those of you following along at home for the Dan Tom luck. Um, yeah, I, was, I finally had a winning night, and I wasn't giving anything back, right? And it's the last fight of the night, so I imagine, again, at MMA God HQ, they're like, you know, in the Dan Tom division, they got a whole department for me over there. They were like, hitting the alarm, like, whoa, he's made it past barriers one, two, and three. This motherfucker's getting a winning night. Quick, quick, pull out all the stops. <laughs> and uh, right on cue, Muniz walks out to Eminem. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me right now? Holy shit. Holy shit, I must have set off an alarm. They got me. They got me. And then all of a sudden, Muniz is like, you know what? That's not enough. Let me fist bump buffer. I was like, holy fuck. Oh, God. Here we go. Here we go. I'm like, well, you know, and, and at least they're not going to get Drake for this crappy fight night on short notice. Okay. Yeah, maybe they couldn't pull Drake for this crappy fight night on short notice, but you bet your ass they could pull a bad bet from the thin air and put it on the broadcast. So I'm like, we got Eminem. I even tweeted it. I go, Eminem walkout, buffer fist bump broadcast bet uh oh because if you like me were on Muniz at that point in any fashion you should have known you should have already made peace with that motherfucker and said goodbye to it so I already kind of made peace with it and I was kind of making peace with it before because ah, shout out to you guys you guys are well meaning but again this is what I was calling out before I'm like watch I, yeah, everyone's like ah oh, Dan you're gonna get a winning night and I'm like okay I probably will get a winning night and you guys will think I'm an asshole because I'll still complain about it uh, it's just because I know my luck. And I may have exaggerated it, sure. Because, as somebody pointed out, and bless you, you met the met well, but somebody pointed out, of course, which would uh, all added to the bad juju, right? Before the Eminem walkout, uh, I got I got one of, the, uh, one of my favorite listeners of the show, it's all love, but tweeting me going, wait a minute, doing the math, looking at my Action Network app uh, bets and going, wait a minute, you have a chance to make everything back in one night if... Again, the best submission fighter on the card gets a submission. That's right, folks. Uh, me getting my, my ass drilled, not having a single winning night, could have made it all back. Again, a 27-unit night. 26 is 27-unit night. And uh, the person was like, is that true? And I'm like, mm, tweeted that like Ross from Friends. Like, stop, don't jinx it. Don't fucking say it. Like... Don't be that person to jinx something when anything big is about to hit, A. Eh? But especially when I'm the motherfucker in question. We know this. Again, long-time, listen, long-time listeners, long-time viewers of this program. No, they know how it goes. They've been, they've been seeing crazy shit happen to me since 2017 here. So this is just how it fucking goes, okay? So I'll take the winning night. It was, it was fine. But yeah, that was... Uh, I did. I had no illusions. Let's just say before the bell rang that uh, my Mooney's my Mooney's bet was a miss. But it does answer my guy Matt Joy's question. Of course, Krylov's ban was supposed to happen. It'll happen next week. Um, <laughs> going to see that fight live next week, and I am terrified. Again, speaking of MMA, God, oh, did you just verbalize you're going to do something within the MMA space? Like, holy fuck, just stop. And I, by the way, I need to stop joking about that because I was telling like. Uh, you know, um, again, the friends that I'm, uh, I was originally supposed to be meeting up with tonight, uh, uh, I said, uh, you know, like, yeah, 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 let's meet up, let's meet up, and I said, okay, okay, let's just, well, you just know how, you know how it is with me, man, you know how the, you know how it is with me on these big weeks in my backyard, we'll see what the MMA guys throw at me, and then, like, I have someone 
fucking literally die in my lap. Like, I literally need to stop joking about this, guys. Like, it's not even like, oh, Dan Tom's trying to be funny or it's a shtick or he's trying to play the violin. He has problems. I do have problems, but that's not the point. Not here uh, as far as that goes. Like, no, no. This, literally, like... <laughs> uh, again, how do you... I can't script this shit. Learn your CPR, folks. Uh, all right. Um, we got uh, a good uh, Augusto Sakai defeated Dante Mays. Um... And again, I was like being good. I wasn't even trying to be that guy where like, oh, my leans and this and that. Like, I hate that shit, all right? I hate that shit. Um, even when I do cop out and put a lean on for my Action Network articles, if you look, I've still always bet those. Even though they're small bets as they should be, if none at all. But again, I put my money where my mouth is. So I, I try not to go the other way. And if I don't play it, you know, do it. And I'm not giving shit to people who do that. I'm just saying it's not my style. And, uh, but it, it you know can't help but wonder, I mean, you know, how much even a bigger night would it have been if I just pulled the three triggers I wanted to. One of them being Augusto Sakai. Again, classic. Just, you know, counting out the, uh, judging by looks, you know, counting out the fat heavyweight, uh, you know, uh, which we'll, you know, we'll talk about the main event for this week. Um, but yeah, um, and he wins and the analysis was correct. I know it was a boring fight, but when you get the analysis right, from clinch stuff to so on and so forth, you know, it's just hard not to feel that way. Tatiana Suarez defeated Montana De La Rosa. She got the guillotine choked, so that's all that matters. Um, the size between them was a bit surprising, to be honest, so good thing Suarez moving back down to strawweight. Mike Malott defeated Johan Linus via submission, arm triangle. Thought maybe more the guillotine, but again, um, that's where his advantage was nonetheless. And uh, maybe not look crazy for picking that. Trevor Peak defeated Ghost Pepper Gonzalez. Didn't really watch much of that uh, craziness, uh, which is apparently what it was. Uh, Jasmine Jazdavisius defeated Gabriel Fernandez. You know, his decision. Again, mad at myself I didn't take that. Absolute props uh, and liked and shouted uh, friends whoever took that shot. Um, I think my guy Dan Levy took that shot on Jasmine Jazdavisius. Anybody else brave enough to it, by the way? Shouts to you. I wish I could be. Uh, on the same side as you, even though I did pick Jazz and warned of this and just wanted her to win with my heart because I hate irresponsible uh, betting and stuff being paid off. But, uh, you know, my guy Johnny the Greek says, bad bets cash all the time. And ain't that the fucking truth? That's actually a really good fucking saying. Jordan Levitt defeated Victor Martinez. Um, again, not an inside info guy, uh, but did hear from multiple sources that Levitt was looking good. Um was working with my coach, Neil Melanson, again for this uh, camp. They actually worked a lot for this camp, which was cool to see Neil there uh, on the broadcast. You know, um, that was awesome. Uh, hope to see Neil much more on those things, man. Um, uh, and hope to keep uh, working with him more myself in the future. Victor Martinez defeated... Ode Osborne defeated Charles Johnson. I got to watch this one again. Shouts to Charles Johnson betters. Believe me, again... If anybody knows what it's like to suffer a beat on a Charles Johnson fight, it's me. Picking Jokic Shumagulov, picking uh, Charles Johnson round two, when Kerry Hatley, um, again, back to the Ghost Pepper Gonzalez, uh, late fuck, I did see that, it was late stoppage, I tweeted out, and, and see, this is, it's not just me, oh, he's just crying about his bets are being biased and not keeping the same energy, me of all people, right? Uh, but yeah, no, it's because, proven for the umpteenth million fucking time, Kerry Hatley, as well as a lot of the Texas judges, go fucking Kumite rules out there. Let people, like, go out on their shield. Like, that's a normal Kerry Hatley style. That's why. Go watch Trevor Peak and Eric Gonzalez, and then go watch. Go watch any of Kerry Hatley's stoppages, and then go watch 
Charles Johnson versus uh, Jimmy Flick. Jesus Christ. Um, and but uh, yeah, Charles Johnson. You know, he did have some trouble against the Southpaw look. We would see. I thought. I didn't think he would gas. So it was if he you know was able to survive Ode. I think he would be able to at least you know, maybe take the last two rounds. But you know, you had some uh, stoppages in there that threw the momentum off, and then again. Short notice fighters, right? It's weird. Short notice fighters. You got Joe Selecki defeated uh, Carl Deaton, uh, got a sub. Um, again, that was uh, no surprise uh, there. Um, but I, again, I wasn't bumping my chest. We were still early in the night. I know how my luck is, so I, you know, I'm, I wasn't getting too excited for that one. Marilla Aliyev defeated uh, Rafael Alves, majority decision. Didn't watch too much of that one. All right, that uh, ends that recap. Forty-three, twenty-five. Um, gonna clean up the chat and then we'll get to uh, breakdown here. Um, da 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 da. Collect those dubs, uh, Matt Joya. If Jones wins, what are the chances he vacates? And <laughs> how would you? Match make the fallout. That would be fucking hilarious. I hope he would vacate. That'd be the that would be hilarious. Um how would I match make it? It's more how the UFC would. I'm sure we would get like dude, I don't know what they would get. Just close the division at that point, really. <laughs> just close the division. Um it, no, I we just they, I would just sell sell out and just make it all you know make it all fat guys that's where the division's trending anyways everyone's making fun of john jones for his physique coming in like dude john jones has always evolved with the times like uh, the chiseled heavyweight look is a thing of the past folks have you seen what the heavyweight division looks like uh, you know since the pandemic and since the espn deal have you guys seen what the again i wasn't trying to be mean when i said it the other week it has the UFC's heavyweight division, since the especially since the ESPN deal, has there ever been a fatter heavyweight division? And not just all of UFC's history, not just all of MMA's history, all of boxing's history, all of kickboxing's history. I mean, we got to start going into sumo for some competition at this point. I mean, you know, again, you know, like uh, John Jones is a man who does his homework, folks. I, it's very intentional. Why? He, why you know he he uh, you know he's dad bought it out like this is a smart guy he sees the evolution he sees where the wind is blowing all right and it uh, it is blowing with the uh, t-shirt in the pool division I mean did you see Walt Harris in the embedded with his t-shirt on I mean the MMA analysis guys must have been losing their shit uh, <laughs> uh, tumors are a jabroni uh, it is it is it is. Da, 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 da. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, Alvin Yakutori, that is very sad to hear, Mr. Tom. We must always love life and appreciate all those around us. I know that we as a community will always uh, have your support. Oh, I appreciate that, man. Da, 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 da. A wholesome pun today. The Bobby Knuckles of jokes and chuckles. I used Yahoo and Google. <laughs> Yahoo to Google that one. Rain Lamina in the house. My guy MMAKO, what's up, man? I haven't seen you in a minute. That was a wild story, Dan. Hope your friend recovers fully. I hope so, too. Good thing you were there and knew what to do. I want to get recertified now. I strongly suggest you do. Thank you for sharing that, MMAKO. Kyle Johnson 
Had a week like that recently, hitting all my picks and bets on a card except Andrade over Blanchfield. Ooh, that must have hurt. Maybe that would be your answer. Maybe a close one for my answer, right? We're going recency bias here. That Matt Joya posed as far as when your analysis really bites you. Um, also, as long as you're profiting. That's right, sir. That's right, Kyle. Um, all right. Jampage Jackson, since Rampage... Eats jam with a spoon. All right, jam page. I can dig it. All right, we're going to get to uh, the fights uh, on that note this week, folks. Um, all right. Let's see. What time? What ever, ever, What time is it? Uh, 47.05. All right, UFC 285. John Jones makes his return. Open as the underdog. Now bet to the favorite by the public. Minus 155 for Jones. Comeback on Cyril Gone plus 135. So, uh, yeah, um... No surprise to see John Jones installed as the favorite or bet to a favorite, I should say. Uh, he is the more well-rounded fighter. He is the more proven fighter. Um, even without the, you know, whatever the perceived GOAT status is of the past and present, uh, maybe he also is the proven wrestler. We got the American wrestler versus a French guy. And if you pick the French guy, like spoiler alert, I did, you know, you're going to just run the risk of uh, GOAT goes bonk. Bro, you don't bet against the GOAT. How do you bet against the GOAT? How do you bet against no one who's ever lost? Like, I get it. I get it. Say in my breakdown, if you want to win long term, you do not bet against John Jones. But you can only cheat death for so long. So here is some thoughts. And it's not confident because that's the thing is, I don't know how you can be confident either way. Again, Jones definitely the favorite, deserves to be the favorite, the safer pick, the less stupider pick. The more you want to feel good about yourself pick. All the above. Not arguing. Have at it. Enjoy yourself. Um, he was who I was leaning toward, even though, again, not confidently, more lackluster decision. Um, because, you know, experience, I'm a big fan of experience. You guys know I'm I'm Mr. Experience. I'm Mr. Squeeze the last juice until there's undeniably they're old and shot, right? Learning, learning a little late in some cases, right? Totally could fairly accuse me of that. But... Something I've kept the same energy on, a canary in the coal mine that I've often shared with you all, is wrestling. Why is it that when you get older, the wrestling stops? How much is it that you fell in love with your hands? How much is it a physical thing? Because wrestling is very physical. You know, um, it's rare to see people older than myself in the Extreme Couture wrestling room. Um, I'm older than Justin Janes too, shout out Justin. Uh, I believe so. It is, uh, that's probably not a coincidence, right? My young face, and I'm still consistently one of the more older guys whenever I get in that wrestling room. Um, it is tough. Neck, knees, back, shoulders. Things that are tricky. Things that surgeries can't even correct sometimes. Um, you never know. So what? what is it? The chicken or the egg? How much of it is this? How much of it is column A? How much of it is column B? Now, an ironic part is that when you think of wrestlers who did keep wrestling integral to their game until their later years and were still able to find success in their later years, well, they come up in a similar column. What's that thing? Uh, I should know this. The two circles where you have the inter uh, they intersect. The, the intersecting part of that circle of that kind of a... Is it a Venn diagram? What kind of, some kind of diagram? Um, I should know this. I'm just having a brain fart. I'm sorry. But the common thread of those two circles, right? If one circle is fighters who wrestle, 
later in their careers with success. And the other circle, let's just say, is former UFC light heavyweight champions like John Jones, who moved up later or really at any time in their career to successfully take the heavyweight throne. Well, you get the intersecting circles and two names in particular. That is Daniel Cormier and Randy Couture. Randy Couture, of course, you know, I don't know if you want to count a catchweight for Jones. Maybe he technically started as a heavyweight too. Perhaps that is a note. Yes, Cormier and Couture started as a heavyweight technically. But as far as later into their career, after they became light heavyweight champions and attempting to move up or back up to heavyweight in Couture's case, was Tim Sylvia against Tim Sylvia. What was it, UFC 68, 67 or something like that? But Couture did it at 10 years into his career, that 10-year mark, that noted 10-year mark where things start to change. Sometimes they don't change until the 12-year mark. They definitely have changed if you're being objective by the 14-year mark. And no matter what your belief, whether you're more conservative, more liberal, uh, as far as those kind of uh, timelines go, it's 10 to 14 years, hence why that 10-year mark stands out. Couture did it at 10 years and 22 fights into his career. Yes, he was 43 or 44 at the time. Cormier was 39, but he did it at 9 years into his career and 21 fights. So one less year, one less pro fight than Couture as far as the mileage tank. Because mileage is the word, right? That's the operative word there. Doesn't matter... If you're crappy like me, it doesn't matter if you're old like them. It doesn't matter if you're younger and a phenom like Jones. Mileage is mileage. And not just in MMA, but in life, there are no biological free lunches. Everything has a cost. Sure, Jones wasn't active for a lot of these recent years, Dan. All right. But there were plenty of years where he was active, dating from an unheard of six fights in the first year of his career, and he's already in the UFC. That initial UFC run, and his own Shogun-defining run, where he started beating the names like Shogun, Rampage, and then going on that title run. Even as those dominant performances, they went late or to decision, and they would continue to go to decision and be long fights. You know... I'll tie this more to actual tactics that we could see in the fight, but even just immediate mileage receipts can be seen in John Jones' wins, in his prime even. You can see immediate receipts to mileage, meaning, as I've constantly pointed out, and I'm surprised no one's cribbed this yet, because it feels like the obvious thing is, and it's going to be the thing for Yair Rodriguez, um, as dangerous as he's looking and as good as Yair could get, Let's see. Let's say Yair fulfills the highest potential of his possible ceiling, or he doesn't, and we get the Yair today. He still shares and will share the same weakness to John Jones, and that is consistently pressuring and mainly countering kicks. So I should maybe rephrase that: consistently pressuring in conjunction with countering kicks. Because win or lose, both Yair and Jones, but yes, mainly Jones here is who we're focusing on. They're like this on their way out of the ring with their corner men on each side of them. These guys can barely walk. And as we've seen, after Corey happened to Corey Hill, one of the most violent cards in UFC history, folks, go look up Fight for the Troops 2, I believe. 
It was an insanely violent card. Um, yeah, Ben Saunders, like one of the most brutal uh, tie clinches against Brandon Wolf. You got um, standing, you know, what was that? Yoshida getting standing, knocked out twice by Koscheck. Um, Corey Hill snaps his shin, right? These things, these leg things, these toe things, which we've seen with John Jones, right? Narrowly escaping, like, even in a fight where he was dominant, right? Uh, it was the last fight where, it's funny, I'm actually predicting Jones to come out and wrestle early, but for people that are confidently predicting him to do that, much less get the job done early, you guys realize we haven't seen it since he did it to a middleweight in Chael Sonnen literally over a decade ago. Right? Like, that's the last time we... It was, it was a decade ago. Anyways, uh, but but yeah, you know, even in that dominant performance, you know, what if it goes to the end of the bell and he sees his toe or the corner does or whatever? Maybe they don't, you know. Uh, Tiago Santos versus Uriah Hall, right? You know, uh, Uriah Hall was still able to tough it through. We've seen John Jones tough through things. That's definitely one of his attributes, I'm not denying. But, um... The man's been cheating death for a minute, right? He's definitely been cheating death for a minute. And it's really easy to get caught up in the woo-woo and, and to not just look at it for a matchup and try to wipe the slate clean, which I try to do my best to do. Um, and yeah, uh, uh, sorry, though, leg damage, leg damage. So, um, you know, he, win or lose, we've seen him kind of limp off the battlefield there. Um so mileage is mileage, right? Those are immediate receipts. Talking about, again, Cormier, uh, Couture comparisons historically. John Jones is going to be attempting to do it at the 15-year mark. 28 fights into his career for those receipts as far as where he stands in that. Uh, in, as far as that record goes. So, again, I wouldn't be surprised for John Jones to break that record like he's broken many other records. He's got size, he's got age, he's got a different type of athleticism. I think people overblow his athleticism. He's not as athletic as Gon, the man he's facing. Um, definitely not as athletic as an Ngannou. He doesn't have those attributes. But yeah, he is athletic in his own right. Uh, he has other athletic intangibles uh, uh, and other things that, you know, he has a leg up on the aforementioned Coutures and Cormiers, right? So again, folks... Uh, I'm not saying like that's some all be or to be doomy with that stat, but mileage is mileage and it is interesting. You know, he's doing it over five years of the last person, you know, uh, as far as uh, that record goes. Um, everyone did it at the 10 year marker within. Now, about the matchup when it comes down to actually breaking these two down, again, I'm looking at people when they face John Jones. Do they consistently pressure? And do they counter kicks? Now, I was really impressed. I know it's not an exciting fight to go back and watch, but I took a dog shot on Volkov when he fought Gon. And you go back to look at that fight. Gon was able to stay pressuring pretty well. But more often than not, Gon is obviously okay of dancing kind of around the sides and sticking and moving. He is not a dedicated pressure fighter. So that's kind of out, right? But again, I think countering kicks is a more important factor when looking at Jones. And when you look at countering kicks, well, surprise, surprise, the, the French Muay Thai champ counters kicks, right? Um, does he do it religiously? No, not really, but who does? But, you know, does he do same-time punch counters? He will if he gets the timing. 
Um, is that, you know, is he doing it, you know, one out of two times? No. Is he doing it a two out of four times? No. Maybe, you know, one out of three times? Maybe not even one out of three, right? But he does have that counter. I mean, that's not the only counter he has. He also will evade and return, kind of like Shevchenko, another Muay Thai fighter. Even though he's not a wrestler like a Frankie Edgar to catch kicks and counters and go for takedowns, um, well, which Gamrod also does, um, he does do the Muay Thai, you know, uh, you know, those monkey paw parries. You will catch the bottom of your heel if you throw a bad kick um, and will uh, use that to flip you out of position and counter you. He has those as well. Gone, even though I don't think it'd be a great idea for this fight, we've also seen him use level-changing counters to shake things up and, and go for takedowns. Um, again, it won't serve him too well in this fight, but the point is the guy has multiple counters for kicks. He also has that inclination a lot of uh, you see bred in a lot of Muay Thai fighters, whether Dutch Muay Thai or just uh, or otherwise, where they want to get the person back after they've been got. And Gon has a bit of that, for better or for worse. Um, sometimes it's hurt him, um, but more often than not, it's it's something that I, I do like to see. I like seeing fighters have that attitude. You know, it, it can hurt you, especially at heavyweight. See Fabricio Verdun versus Stipe Miocic, right? And that was like a legacy-defining win that it really costed Fabricio there. Um, but as far as inclination to counter kicks, he does have that. So for that part, that is that is good. And when I went to look at the people that counter kicks from Machida all the way back right in the day to uh, others like Tiago Santos or um, Dominic Reyes, um, I noticed that, yeah, the southpaw kicks in particular... Um, are effective on Jones. I mean, people who tried to kick Jones in general, I didn't put it in my clip, but I believe it's at the end of round one in his Rashad Evans fights. His Rashad Evans fight. Rashad actually clips him with a head kick. Like, it looks like uh, the one... It, from a different stance, obviously, because Kelvin's a southpaw, but it looks like the one Kelvin hits Adesanya with, where you're like, what? The the shorter stout guy hit him with it, And it's almost like a thing where it's like, well, yeah... Again, back to why reach advantages are silly. It's like, yeah, the guy with the big reach is, is winning. But how much of that is because, you know, John Jones was striking like Israel Adesanya back in the day, which he, he was not, right? Uh, or how much of it is that just contemporaries don't know how to really deal with that. In fact, a lot of people, even in this modern day of MMA, don't properly jab, use footwork, and uh, other distance management tools properly uh uh, efficiently, consistently, right? And it's not a, a knock. It's 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 just to the truth. Is it getting better? Of course it is. And these fighters deserve that credit. But let's not let's not you know, let's stay realistic here, right? And back to that argument of of overvaluing um, things like things like things like reach, and and yeah. Um, so it's just one of those things. It's like yeah, maybe they're just used to fighters who can't strike and people that can't figure it out. Like oh yeah. Maybe because this fighter has good reach, not only do I need things like footwork, why don't I be a little more active with the kicks both before and after with my combinations, setups, and so forth, range finding, gauging, fainting, um, and just people don't. And when you do, you're like, oh, wow, the big tall guy who is supposed to be a, a good striker, he actually can get kicked? Like, yeah, yeah, they can. There's, there's a lot to kick. There's a lot to defend with long limbs and long torsos. It's a two-way street. Like most things in life, much less the sport, this should not be a surprise. 
for those people who religiously bet based on height and size. I know it's I'm I must be talking nonsense to y'all, but it's it's a truth, right? Um, that being said, obviously 84.5 inches and John Jones knows how to use it. Yeah, it's 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 freaking tough to deal with, but you can kick with the guy. We've seen that through all portions of the career. Mentioned it, Rashad Lyoto early, more relevantly for that crowd. Obviously, it ties into. Um, you saw it with Santos Reyes. Even I was talking to Anthony Smith this week. I did Series XM. I was like, Anthony, I was like, you're not even a southpaw, bro. And you 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 almost took his head clean off the 223 mark in round one. Go see for yourself, folks. Um, it's been there. It's been there by inches again. Like, you know. For as great as the guy is, you forget that he's he, he is human. I know it's very controversial. Wow, Dan, you're you're wild. You're 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 reluctantly picking at Jones against Jones, saying he's human. Get the fuck out of here. That is not the only reason why I'm picking against him, but it is funny. Like just that alone, like I, I get I, I get flogged like a witch. Like we're back in Salem if it was up to some of these fans, you know. Uh, God forbid you say anything critical, you know the same crowd as like you know god forbid you said that you know uh gustafson was competitive with him the first time or even the second time which you know watching the rematches in that weird stretch of his career um the gustafson i was least impressed with which isn't that crazy a lot of people kind of are mixed feelings on that one but i uh, am among the camp where like is cormier two fights one of his most impressive fights at least from his boxing perspective but even that fight i was kind of less impressed with um I feel like he, you know, he said he purposely threw it less so that DC didn't see it coming and he ends up finishing with him with the southpaw head kick. So who the fuck am I to question John Jones with that, right? But I was surprised with how much he really was hitting him in the first fight with that. And I thought he arguably did better in the striking exchanges despite the technical improvements he showed in the second fight. You know? So it is really weird, you know, if you, you, you really do got to go back and actually watch the footage. Because if you go back and watch the footage, and like I've been alluding to, like I stated in my breakdown, like many other people, like, you know, one of my favorite analysts, shouts to Phil McKenzie, who's been tweeting this forever, you know, I was like, wow, I respect Phil, but he's picking Tiago Santos. Well, okay, Tiago Santos might not have got the nod, but the fact that a one-legged Tiago Santos did that good against John Jones, you know, uh, you, you know, even the fanboys got to admit that, that's pretty damn impressive, right? Um, totally validates him and anyone else you know who was questioning Jones's wrestling. Yet people like myself, even though I really wanted to pick Reyes and warn people that Reyes was a live dog, if you read my breakdown on his last fight, still people like myself, eh, semi reluctantly, or others who are just you know sucking the D confidently, uh, picked Jones again to wrestle, and he did try to wrestle in that fight, uh, unlike the Santos fight to his credit, but. It was almost less impressive because, or more troubling because uh, he wasn't able to really secure uh, uh, things and um, the wrestling didn't look as good. Um, you know, maybe it's against taller people, but he's not able to lock people up in the clinch. People are able to swim their arms free. They're not just playing his games and letting them lock up with them. Uh, perhaps some of that is size parity and athleticism, but you know who has some of that? Cyril Gon does. Does he have good technique? No. Does he have as good of counter-wrestling technique as Reyes? No, but he is bigger and more athletic than not just Jones, but Reyes, for what that's worth. You know, so I get those reservations, and I want to quickly state that, yeah, I don't like what I saw from Gon's counter-wrestling. Um, 
what got him in trouble was going for submissions. So people pointing out in the embedded video that he's drilling guillotines. That is troubling. I'm not going to lie. But let me tell you something, folks. Most camps don't drill what they're supposed to be drilling on pads and stuff when the cameras are out. So how much of it is that, right? And how much of it is, is he really going to go and do that? Now, here's my thing. Fernan Lopez, the coach, he is definitely cheeky enough to where to, to do misinformation, right? Something that most people do do. Spoiler alert, folks. Um, but I also don't trust him, Franz, uh, Fernand Lopez, or that camp uh, to properly game plan with the proper tactics. Um, so even though I'm picking gone, it's not any kind of confidence in his wrestling. It's more, who are you least confident in, right? Uh, and, and and before I round back to the Jones thing, I will say one points to the Ngannou thing. That's another thing, too. It's not that you can't or shouldn't criticize Gone. He makes multiple boneheaded choices to go for submissions that cost him key, not just the leg lock that got him sweeped. There's other moments that where he goes for the Kimura, so on and so forth. Really bad things, right? Um, and we see John Jones force bad decisions like that out of people, you know? Um... I think I wrote like his, his best shots were like Ryan Bader and Ryan Bader like even though he's in his prime is like you're falling over going for Kimura's it's really weird like not saying John Jones wouldn't have won especially that John Jones like obviously but if you go and look at it it was like you're like what was Bader even doing it was one of those weird performances from Bader that he'll do once in a while where he kind of gets in his own head right um you see uh I forget what was the other fight you see a decent shot from him but the last decent shot you see of him is in the Gus 2 rematch and like Gustafson I think a came in there with some kind of foot injury and then got his knee or, or something injured or exacerbated. The dude could barely walk by round three. So, and he kind of ran right into the shot. Oh, and it was Glover. Glover was the other, like, level-changing shot. Like, those are the three good level-changing shots that I could find in Jones's career. Um, the uh, uh, You know, as far as, like, some of the more relevant ones. And a lot of those were obviously dated very far back. And, again, the Glover one, it was... Glover at that point of his career, Glover tired, beat up in round five, kind of a deal. How much resistance is really there? Um, Jones mainly gets his takedowns in the clinch or against the fence. Um, <clears throat> now, it's interesting because a fellow hand fighter slash a hand fighter that actually comes with Muay Thai sensibilities could wreak havoc for certain positions in the clinch on Jones. But by the same token, we saw Francis Ngannou. This is probably courtesy of uh, Eric Nix and some others over there. Uh, not so coincidentally, because a lot of people crib off John Jones's notes, right? Credit to the man. We've seen Kamaru Usman, Conor McGregor with the shoulder strikes, um, all use his clinch setups, right, or variations of it. And you see Francis Ngannou doing that classic Jones one where he overhooks one hand, and then he wrist feeds the wrist into the... <laughs> wrist feeds, wow, Dan, easy. Uh, into the, you know, into the overhooking hand. Um, and then he can set up elbows, uh, shoulder strikes, knees, and everything from there. You see Ngannou do that to Gone briefly and kind of stymie Gone. So you're like, oh, crap. Well, I guess we know who's going to be stymieing who, right? Again, back to the Gone sample size. I think it's tricky because, yeah, that was troublesome, even though if you look, Gone breaks those grips. And obviously, again, Gone going for submissions and those key points were troublesome. But if you look at his grappling otherwise... A, Gon's grappling was actually pretty good. He does the he was doing like he was a heavyweight and he was doing um remember I posted Volkanovsky using the kind of half guard get up and using that kind of a swimming to a half guard from mount and how all these things kind of chain chain to and from each other. Well, Francis, who 
again, is an athletic freak, beyond athletic freaks, um, and goes to uh, one of the more notorious places for wrestling for MMA, and we're going to be surprised that the man learned some wrestling and learned some techniques fast, right? When, you know, from the Rogan-isms to, uh, to those of us who have been watching all know that athletes can pick up things, skills fast. Like, that's... Again, everyone's like, oh, how are you going to do that? Like, who's going against John Jones? Like, you know, uh, Cyril Gon's experience or the fact that he got out-wrestled by a guy with Ngannou's experience. Like, okay, again, folks, I feel like... Well, maybe they wouldn't admit this, but I feel like even the most ardent John, jo- John Jones fanboys should be able to admit that both Gon and Ngannou are better athletes than Jones. And one of Jones's standout things was his ability uh his his athletic ability to just and to just sponge and sequence things like he's been doing them before even though he hadn't right now Jones came from wrestling so seeing him do greco style wrestling not a surprise but again what about all the other stuff that John did and sequencing them together the way he did so naturally in his game right so we're going to be like you can't do this against John Jones but we're going to forget We're going to forget a sample size within the equation that we're talking about. Right? Oh, wait, this guy can do it, but no one else can? Yeah, there definitely wasn't BJ Penns of the world who, like, broke the records and got black. Yeah, definitely people who just aren't naturally gifted that come around and sponge things. Yeah, that certainly hasn't happened throughout multiple weight classes, multiple times within the same sport, and within multiple other sports at all walks of life. That never happens at all, folks. You're right. John Jones is the only one. He's the only one. He's the only one. Like, right? Like, what do what, what are we doing here? Um, so, uh, again, I, you know, and, and you look at you look at when when Ningano again sponging these and sequencing these techniques, going to mount, actually using jujitsu, jujitsu and styles of jujitsu that we haven't seen Jones use, you know, maybe once in the last seven years, right? Um, maybe we saw a brief glimpse of it in the Gustafson finish when Gustafson was already crumbling. And I'm not trying to do that game where you water down things after the fact, even though the after the fact facts will point that Gustafson has tended to fold when he gets to the ground. No, that's not me being after the fact. That's not being me being rude to Gustafson. That's me repeating the same exact things John Jones himself said after beating Gustafson that night. Yeah, once you get him to the ground, the guy folds. We all knew that. John Jones is saying, y'all should have known that back in 2018. So me saying it now, that's no shade. In fact, I'm agreeing with John Jones. And that is the last time we saw him really dust off those skills. And again, Ninganu does it, gets to the mount. And if you look at that sequence, Gon actually does again. Back to that, that, the Volkanovski getting out from Ortega clip. He does a shrimp to half guard. Does the... Shout out to Ghost Phantom in the chat. Does the low underhook, under the ass, get up? The single leg swing, right? Gets up there. And single legs, Francis uses the single leg to stand while gaining a dominant outside position against the cage, coming up safely into a clinch. It's a, it's a really high percentage and brilliant sequence that I could totally see working against John Jones. Could he also get caught if he's not careful with his underhook and John Jones decides to go for submissions? Maybe he's been working on his submissions, doing submission underground, right? Even though the last time we saw him do that or have any record of that is 2016. He's only kind of been only shooting guns and, you know, uh, hitting women seems like in his spare time. But forget that. Let's let's just let's assume he's, he's maybe 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 he got back to the submission grappling and we don't know about it, folks. You know, who knows? Um, to me, it looks like he's more just been 
thankfully for his sake and his fans' sake, has been putting into his wrestling. He's got a Greco coach in his camp. Done cross-training with Cejudo over there at Fight Ready. But again, that's wrestling, you know, as far as submissions. What is, you know, what is he doing there? Um, do I have confidence in Gon's ground game at the end of the day or his team's game planning? No, I don't. Um, but is it good enough to survive? Possibly. Will he have to survive a lot? I don't know how much he will have to survive because, again, look at it. If we go back, not only do we have to go, you know, again, Cormier, it's, it, it, it's, you get a strong clinch performance. It's not even a dedicated wrestling performance because he's doing a lot of striking in that fight. But the last time you get really strong glimpse of his takedowns, his clinch game, was in DC1. Not even the second fight. It was in DC1 in 2015. And as far as early dedicated wrestling, I'm going to go out and blow you out of the water with my ground game, like how he made his hay from the very beginning, right? We see that stop at 2013, a decade ago, folks, against Chael Sonnen, a, a, a middleweight, a complete... One of the biggest mismatches in an era where he was already mismatching people who were in his division. Forget all the blown-up middleweights that he was facing. And now he is facing a heavyweight. Now, again, I'm not going to overblow the heavyweight thing. I'm not even going to take shots like people are at his training partners, you know, who John Jones is using. Because those of us who have been around know that John Jones and have heard the rumors of him fucking, you know, fucking up legit heavyweights back in the day, Jackson Wink, in his prime when he was still way, you know, down at light heavyweight. And guys like Arlovsky. Guys like Overeem, right? Um, so I believe Jones when he says he's used to fighting heavyweights, you know. Um, I just, uh, again, I don't know where he's at. I don't know where his confidence is at. I don't know how confident you can ever be in a guy like that who seems, like Francis said, to have multiple personalities. I'm not saying that to be a shot, but it actually seems about right. Um, you never know where these athletes, you know, how much they've been taking care of themselves, you know. How does that affect them? When they when when they go up, um, it, it's tough to say. You know, I don't want to compare him to OSP, but and OSP is one of the few fighters that I will use the the shot word at right. So definitely bad comparison. But you know, as far as light heavyweights of his generation, who are what we would consider athletic, who have a frame similar to his six four that can carry a heavyweight frame, uh, you know, that arguably cut more weight than John Jones did to get to the light heavyweight limit. And look at OSP when he first went up there and just went up there in general. Like, that was like the coffin nail. Like, he, you know, you, you might have had, okay, he can still maybe pull off some moments. He can still get some wins. You look back, when he goes up to heavyweight, it's done. It's done. He was used to light heavyweights. It was almost like it was too late, you know? Again, back to, we look at the guys who did it successfully. As old, as rotund as they may have been, folks, they did it early in their career, and you look at Couture and Cormier's game. All the speculation you can do that I'm doing with Jones is, you can't do it with the wrestling. Wrestling always remained integral to their games. They never got away from it, right? Can you just bring it back? It's a very low sample size. If anybody can do it, folks, it's John Jones. And I suspect he's going to try. I think that, again, he's used to heavyweights. I think he is confident for a reason. I like that he went to train with Cejudo at Fight Ready. I think that's a great trend. I like that camp. I like that he brought back in a wrestling coach. Say what you will about Greco. That's John's base. And he has found creative ways to connect it, despite the criticisms that Greco tends to get. Justifiably, viably or not, right? Um, but here's the thing. 
let's say he does wrestle early as opposed to late, because that's another thing, folks. Not only has he not been meaningfully wrestling, you're like, oh, but he did some wrestling against Smith where he was effective. Yeah, he also almost lost, again, game of inches, folks. He also almost lost his title in that fight, too, a fight he was dominating. But yes, you're right. He did wrestle in that fight. But where? when was it, folks? When was it? I'll tell you when. It's the same time he did it in the Reyes fight. Too little, too late. Rounds four and five, right? He won the fights anyways. It didn't matter in the Smith fight. Um, I get it. I'm not trying to be too retroactive. But the point is, for the facts bro crowd, the facts are the takedowns don't come till late. He does one early, right? In in the Reyes fight, all the way back to like his Rampage Jackson fights when he would come out on the hands and knees, right? Um, he, he, he'll do that to get in your head, which is very smart. But outside of that, he doesn't go back to it for whatever of multiple reasons, folks. And that's just the facts at the end of the day. So as much as we can be like, experience, wrestling, go, American wrestling, facts, bro, go, bro. That's true. But also facts, bro, out three years, doing this at 15 years into a fight career, not taking great care of your body. The fact that all greats... uh Stop wrestling for the most part <laughs> um, as they get older for one reason or many. Those are also facts. Are we gonna are we gonna ignore those? But because of the both what the matchup is begging for, and again, so did Tiago Santos. That matchup begged for John Jones to take him down too, and he didn't, right? So it, we've learned that we can't count on that. Does that mean John Jones isn't going to come out and wrestle? If he does, I'm sure every, he will, and then everybody will act like they're fucking genius for calling the obvious thing without looking at any of the nuance or context that I'm taking the time to lay out here. Just always brilliant. I always love that. Um, but yeah, okay, let's just say, you know, it, he, I, or I am saying that I think he does because not just the stylistic matchup obviously calls for it, but back to the countering kicks and the softball kicker, and now he's going to have it against big, thick, legs that are actually fast you know um regardless of whether you agree with john jones analysis which is not crazy analysis and it's and i wouldn't be surprised if he's proven right if gone does slow down with the wrestling threat you know we've seen him go five no problem which john jones reluctant or you know uh, coincidentally doesn't doesn't like include in his sample sizes or citations right but yes to john jones's point when wrestling is involved as we've seen with many fighters, yeah, oh yeah, it can affect the striking, the gas tank, and all that stuff, right? Um, but I also think that he keeps focusing on it for a reason, because the speed does bother him. I don't think he would would admit that he's not the better athlete here. Uh, Gon is the better athlete. He can do speed changes with those kicks. Those kicks are going to hurt, even if John Jones checks him. Um, he's not going to be able, again, durability, John Jones... He may not have the knockout power, but I do believe you need either knockout power and or durability are two mainstays you need to be a successful heavyweight. John Jones, I believe, has the chin. That's a, that's a reason why, as much as I might sound like a hater, there's a reason why, even though I'm picking against him here, there's a reason why I, I've seldom ever picked against the guy, ever. Okay? The guy is very durable. He is very durable. Light like heavyweight. I only expect him to be more durable with the time off up at heavyweight. But that's chin durability that I'm referencing, folks. There's plenty of durability. There's mental durability, emotional durability, ankle durability, foot durability, shin durability, hand durability, which I know is something going on with Gon, even though uh, 
gotten to the bottom of that. Looks like just some scar tissue. People fight with weird hands. Want to see? Look at Corey Anderson's hand, folks. That guy still punches people with his like deformed finger and wrestles. And uh, uh, had that happen during his most successful run of his career. So I'm not going to go crazy with that. But yeah, what what's John's durability like? What's what's eking and creaking on him, right? Um, I see some bruises on his face and some cuts. Looks like he's coming in with some cuts over his eye and on his head that I haven't seen. I've only seen the last few weeks on his socials and on in all the embeddeds. You know, what's he coming in like? And even if he does go ego John Jones, he doesn't plan on wrestling, keeps it in his back pocket, I think that's a mistake. I think that deterioration, extra weight, and whatever damage, attritive damage, even if he's just checking, he could check every kick for three rounds. And if he waits till round four and five to get his takedown game going, what's his gas going to look like? What does heavyweight John Jones' gas look like at that point, right? So I don't think he waits um, for many reasons. And... Even if he does try to wait, I, I think that the style will force him to shoot. So he's going to, one way or another, John Jones is going to shoot early here uh, in the first couple of rounds and try to get his wrestling going. That's where it get, that's where it's crunch time. Everybody either looks like a genius for if you're the GOAT, bro. Smash GOAT, bro. When are you ever going to see a GOAT at this price, bro? Wrestling, bro. American wrestling versus French, bro. Like, all those crowds are going to be like, told you so, bro, Right? But what if John Jones doesn't finish him? Again, even when he has gone for takedowns, what meaningful has he done with any takedowns since the Cormier or Chael Sonnen fights? Back in 2015, 2013, a decade, some of these samples that I'm having a reference. What if he survives? So now, you haven't sold out for wrestling for over 10 years. You're coming off of a layoff of three years and 20 months, your longest layoff throughout any of your stints professionally. Since you started doing athletics in college, I imagine. And now, you failed to wrestle a big athletic guy. Maybe you got close to finishing gone, right? You, you, you got off a bunch of ground and pound, you, but you really had to hustle to hold the position. Or, you got him down easy, but you went for a, a submission, you burnt your legs or your arms out. Going for something crazy. We've seen Jones do that before. Not burn himself out, we'll go for crazy stuff too. Now what? Now you've got two to three rounds to go. With a guy like Gone, who, you know, maybe he's a little worn out from whatever Jones was able to do, but he's been there before. He's been there more recently. He's been there against bigger guys with more scarier grounded pound, as crazy as that is to sound, Francis Ngannou. He's used to his weight. Will he be a bit tired? Will, will, will Gone be as fresh in three, four, and five like he was with Volkov if he had to have grappled with Jones? Of course he won't be. How will Jones be? And who will be more used to it from multiple facets and metrics? Right? It's where experience gets a little tricky. You know, experience is selective. What, what kind of experience are we talking about? So for me, ultimately, it comes down to is Jones going to break his trend? And if he does, even when big super athletes doing all the right moves like an Ngana, who again... Not saying you can't throw shade at Gone, but make sure you're giving fair credit to Ninganu for what the fuck he did. Right? Um Like, yeah, like uh and even in that fight, again, where he's facing a Ninganu, big strong, doing all that, and he's making boneheaded, multiple boneheaded decisions, not just one, Gone is. That dude still has an argument for winning the fight as it played out, and was still ridiculously close to winning the fight no matter how you score it. 
against the baddest man on the planet who never lost that title. A, a person who I early forecasted and many followed suit would pick over Jones and Ngannou. So, I don't know, man. Is it really that crazy to pick against Jones in this spot? You know? Also, size parity. That's a long thing, too, that's been said. You know, I say it's it's pressure, consistent pressure and countering kicks. Other people are like, oh, no, it, it's size parity. It's size parity. You know? And if you look at the size parity, those have been as harder fights. They've also been as more lower volume fights. It's not going to be any more size parity than this. So, I don't even know if John Jones can bullshit his way through a decision like he did with Thiago Santos and Dominic Reyes, right? If, it's, if it becomes a, a, a really boring, low-paced kickboxing match, which is my initial inclination and most. That being said, I ended up swaying toward Gon for the reasons I said. It's going to come down to can he survive the brief wrestling scares that John Jones will present. If he does, I think he wins this fight. I was initially, again, going to go by decision either way. A low-paced match where you know either person could win was how I was been reading this matchup going in. But again, man, you can only cheat death for so long. And it, the way I put in my breakdown, looking at the legs and this and that, I don't know, man. Something tells me the it's gonna it's gonna come home to roost for John Jones. And whether it's by attritive body work, whether it's by the bodybuilding leads to a knockout shot to the head, or whether it's just a weird freak injury, which I have a weird feeling about. I think Gon wins this fight by TKO in the later rounds. However, that TKO comes. For that reason, for the odds, I'm not going to bet anything more on this fight because I really shouldn't bet on this fight. If you got like a plus number on Jones, hats off to you, CLV crowd. I'm not. I know I hate on you guys, but like, I get that. You know, I'm not. I'm not hating on bets here. Um, I just don't. I don't think. You know, I think you may maybe argue the money line's good for the favorite here, right? But you're not giving me enough dog money to take a straight dog shot. And again, with the specific read. I got it's you know you're gonna get good numbers if you just sprinkle the rounds. So I'm not pick I'm not confident in Gon or his team. I'm not confident in this pick. I don't believe you should be confident in any pick, but I am picking Cyril Gon and I sprinkled on rounds three, four, and five. Um in one house. Maybe I'll get better odds in another, but uh you know me, I'll I'll stick with these ones. Where is it at? Uh plus twenty eight hundred, plus twenty two, and plus eighteen. Uh point 17 units. You guys know me. So roughly, it comes out to roughly a half unit exposure. I'm sprinkling uh, across three rounds. Um, for this fight, I know I just spent way too much time talking about this fight, and uh, I'm going to go through fast the rest, but very passionate. There's a lot to a lot to say. So um, I'm going to try to clean up the checks. I know you guys were talking and popping in on that one. Hey, Jin Karasi, wrestlers dipping their head to the power side in open stands matchups. You love to see it, right, Dan? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know what I'm talking about there. Um, Fenyo, my man Fenyo. Speaking of dessert podcast, one of my favorite, the Fight Side podcast feed, Fenyo. Um, uh, unfortunately for us, only for the pay-per-view fights do, do we get him, but uh, he does uh, excellent um, quick predictions, much faster than me. Like He just actually gets through it and doesn't like waste time with the bullshit. So um, shouts to Fenyo. Um, Kyle Johnson says, feel like Gon Jones could end up a binary striker versus grappler match with all the major questions on Jones' side. Yeah, I think the question, more questions are on Jones' side, that's for sure. And Jones' ego means he often fights to his foe's strengths. Yep, that is a classic Jones observation, I agree. Um, da -da -da -da, James Kendrick, I hope Gon wins just because of the Jones fan base <laughs> outside of the cage hilarity John Jones uh, engages in. I Cannot hate that at all. Yeah. 
I, I, I get you. Um, Sick growing. Speaking of wrestling, what do you believe? What do you think of established MMA fighters who go from a heavy striking base to learning cage wrestling at a high level, uh, prime of their career? Opposite of John, um, I think it's good. I think it's better when it's Muay Thai because Muay Thai translates to a lot of things. The clinch fighting, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that with Shevchenko. I often do. Um, it hasn't shown itself as much in Gone as I like. Again, I haven't liked a lot of his wrestling looks and some of his hip awareness in a lot of spots. So, we'll, you know, we'll see. It's, it's too hard to go down to the speculation tree. You know, again, he's training with nobody. Oh, I don't trust his coach. Okay, I get I get all that, right? But then you'll see, like, oh, he's training with this Dagestani guy and then this this Russian guy and then this French multiple wrestling champ who looks like he's from Dagestan as well. It's like, those guys could be great, they, you know, but that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean anything either, right? Like, John Jones' training partner. Like, he could be training with, more, you know... Uh, air quote, you know, better heavyweights or whatever, but like, you know, how much does that really matter at the end of the day, right? We just, we, we get lost in speculation city at a certain point. Um, we are about, Ghost Phantom says, we are about to find out whether or not doing box squats and deadlifts can increase your fighting skills. Most likely not, in his uh, parentheses. Um, Rain Lamina, I have a bold prediction. Either John Jones or Cyril Gaon will win by knockout, submission, decision, or split draw. I think my prediction is 100% accurate. I agree, sir. That's a good one. I'll have to give you credit if that comes through, you know. Um, sorry if I'm skipping some. Got a Michael Panza. LOL, literally, Jones' whole camp was heavyweight failure. See, it's, 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 it's tough. I, I, I get it, but, uh. You know, in John Jones' defense, the guy is also trained with good heavyweights at a time where he was reportedly messing them up. So who knows? Again, but again, that, like a lot of the other Jones things that we're pointing to, these are things from a decade ago. A lot happens in 10 years, folks. Um, lastly, before I move on, it goes Phantom says, Dan, I think we missed the John Jones who posted his head underneath Glover's head uh, uh, along the fence and through body punches. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. All right, co-main event time. Um, Shevchenko minus 600, Grasso plus 450. Not much to say here. Again, shout out to my guy, MMAI. Go shout, uh, go check out his channel. Uh, but as he pointed out, uh, which should be no surprise to you guys, when the UFC is infiltrating a new market with their PIs, that is one of the few things they'll promote, right? They don't promote fighters anymore. Um, but they love promoting their projects, whether it be the White Power League, uh, Slap League, or um, their new PIs. You know, we saw Zhang Wei Li um, get a title shot uh, when they were not so coincidentally building one in Shanghai. And now with the plans, uh, they've had this before the pandemic uh, in their defense, but now that they are finally apparently getting pushed through or closer to date, nothing against Yair Rodriguez, definitely nothing against my girl Alexa Grasso, but yes, we are seeing Mexican fighters get some solid opportunities and promotional pushes, not so surprisingly. Um, Grasso steps in here has been looking good at flyweight I, she didn't ask for the title shot either in her defense I really wish they would have maybe given her some more time to improve um, she's 0-1 against UFC level southpaws that was Tatiana Suarez of course not much striking it was a one round submission loss uh, but I think um, Shevchenko goes for that again she's been like a low key again a lot of these like people that do Muay Thai end up doing good grappling and grounded pound and that's one of her things you know shouts to Paul Felder uh, Paul Felder was another guy who, as much as his Taekwondo and his Muay Thai-centric striking was badass and got credit for, he was a low-key, really good ground-and-pound guy, right? Felder was, right? Um, I mean, look at that Chucky Olives elbow stoppage. I bet on Paul cashed that ticket one of the few times I bet against Chucky Olives there. Um, 
but yeah, like uh, you know, uh, back to that question. You know, these bases come in, come in, come in handy. Um, and I think Shevchenko are gonna go, is gonna go for takedowns here and get to the crucifix position. Um, you see, Asparza almost get to it. Suarez almost get to it. Araujo really nearly almost get to it. And I believe Random Marcos almost got to it, or if not, got to it in her fight with Grasso. Um, Grasso's a really good scrambler, but uh, as far as guard passing, people have been able to pass her guard without the most resistance. And that's even the more improved Grasso, who has really improved uh, doing more jiu-jitsu competitions, getting stripes on her purple belt in the gi, and working diligently on her wrestling scrambles over and underhook awareness have improved. She's making the improvements. But is it going to be enough? Probably not, especially if you look at the fact that like she's gotten better, again, defending traditional shot takedowns, traditional takedowns against the fence, but the more judo style, hip toss, foot sweep centric style of a Shevchenko, those are the takedowns that have actually worked on Grasso in the past. So when I put those pieces of the puzzle piece together, um, I feel like we get a uh, stoppage, but perhaps in round two is where I'm going to put the eggs in my basket. Play Chevchenko round two, round two KO in the neighborhoods of, let's see what I got here. Um, plus 950 round two KO, plus 500 round two. Uh, I think I put 0.13 U on the 950 prop, 0.220, 20 bucks I don't want to see again, in other words, for the round two. And the main play is I did two units on the under at minus 150 to cover that. Um, so either, you know, hopefully the under hits either way. Uh, because, again, I think that Grasso's aggression will bring out the best in Shevchenko. I think stylistically her dipping boxing, kind of, again, back to it, you know, uh, she's not a wrestle boxer, but she dips a lot um, and slips a lot. And uh, her lateral movement will make her kind of prone to some kicks. Um, and again, that's going to be Shevchenko's wheelhouse, a southpaw kicker. I think that's going to match up very poorly. And again, there's some puzzle pieces that could match up bad there. Now, if it goes past round two, I think something went wrong or we just have a really uncharacteristic fight from both women. Um, I know Shevchenko has had slow fights before, but again, it's the dance partner, folks. I think the way that Grasso fights slash in general slash the way I see her style mixing with Shevchenko both those things slightly different albeit intersectingly the same I see both those things leading to a high action affair and to where if Shevchenko doesn't get the finish um and as far as potential pathways to Grasso well we've seen Shevchenko again back to that kind of uh getting it back mentality that you see in a lot of Muay Thai fighters that I just referenced we saw that almost cost Shevchenko in her last fight regardless of how you scored it right the fact that she was getting mad that Tyler Santos was getting the jump on her like Santos was like I don't even believe the strikes on the ground or on the feet like you can look at the revised stats as much as you want it doesn't feel like she throws half as much as what she's listed which is why I and many scored it for Shevchenko and I'm not even talking about the undercut shot to Silas uh, uh, Silas and the guys over on the Fight Site podcast uh, Silas and Christian there uh, undercuts um, but like I'm not even talking about those. I'm just talking about damage in general was the difference, which is why I scored it for Shevchenko. Not hating, not trying to relitigate. Absolute sympathies for you, Santos betters. But regardless of how you score it, we almost saw the upset because back to that, I got to get it back Muay Thai style, right? Um, and she had that attitude with the takedowns. And because of that, she got over aggressive when she didn't need to. She could have won the fight standing. Uh, and it led to scrambles that got her back taken. Now, Alexa Grasso can scramble and can take the back. I don't think she can finish Shevchenko, but can she backpack around, at least around, off of mistake? Oh, absolutely she can. So that is more the avenue I see for Grasso. But yeah, I bet the under. So if that does happen, 
I'll be rooting for Grasso for sub at that point, right? Um, to pour on the volume late uh, for an out-of-characteristic Shevchenko. Maybe she's sick or you get some weird thing. Who knows like that, right? Anyways, um, it, it's very sounds dicey. Dicey is Shevchenko WMMA under. Perhaps I'm asking to lose this bet for two units. But, uh, yeah, I went two units on the under 4.5 rounds. Minus 150. Round two, Shevchenko plus 500. 20 bucks I don't want to see again. Round two by KO. Plus 950, $13. Bad luck, 13, baby. And, uh, yeah, she could get the sub. But, again, inside the distance, um, if you have a house that has that, the house, the one house that I have that, that plays that has an inside distance of the prop, it's practically the same price as the under. So why not kick for more coverage with the under, in my opinion, right? Um, that, and I also believe, again, like I said, um, with the over-aggressiveness and the grappling, if Shevchenko goes to take a back or something, She's going to lose position, and uh, like she did with the Santos in round three, I believe, or round two, right? Where she goes to take a back, and that's what costed her position. Um, and that's exactly what Grasso feeds off of. So if Shevchenko's doing her homework, she's going to stick to her normal positional play, methinks. Uh, Kyle Johnson says, I could see a Valentina versus Joanna type of fight where Val bullies Grasso everywhere but doesn't finish her. Ah, oh, I could see that too, maybe, right? And that, that would suck for my bet. Um, he says, Alexa is tough and Val could scare her into inactivity. Um, I agree, Alexa is tough, but again, head kicks are a, mother, are, are a motherfucker and liver kicks shut you down no matter how tough you are. And both those I see being potent while they're standing. And again, it doesn't matter how tough you are, right? Um, if you get in that crucifix position in WMA, refs will stop that fast. That's where you can really force the stoppage. So that's kind of more what I'm banking. But you're absolutely right. Grasso ain't going out easy. Uh, Rain Lamina says, I would also like to see Grasso win, but I saw her teammate uh, Aldana not cut the cage against Holly Holm. Yep. Yeah, I don't think they teach diagonal or lateral movement to cut off the cage. Look at Ray Lamina, who comes in here trying to get me to say wrong things, but he's actually dropping really good analysis out there. That's very true. I totally forgot about that. That is a great point. Southpaws in that camp. That camp showed they do not know how to fight southpaws. That was a very big surprise. A very big surprise that their one solution was almost rudimentary solution that they ran themselves into the wall, which was the typical outside foot awareness where she just ran herself in circles. And I love Aldana. I picked Aldana. Um, Arene. Uh, so yeah, that is a good note there. Um, yeah, I, I think Shevchenko, uh, takes this one, the good old left kick double attack. That's right. All right. I'm going to try to speed chest through, uh, some of these, even though I actually did a tape on uh, the next two as well. Uh, <laughs> uh, Shave Cat, baby. Shavkat Rachmanov um, versus Jeff, Hands of Steel, Neil. Uh, Rachmanov minus 500. Neil, comeback plus 400. Again, um, you know, Anthony Smith asked me what's the live, what was one of the more live dogs. I was like, uh, as, as far as some of the top names, I'm like, yeah, Jeff, Neil, probably. Um, even though I'm not picking them, you know, southpaw, knockout power. Um, we really got to see that from Shavkat. We really haven't seen Shavkat against uh, that style of matchup. Um, I didn't rewatch the stuff on the regionals for this time around. I just went back through and rewatched um, Rachmanov's fights uh, in the UFC. You guys know I've done full dives on him before uh, when he was coming in. Um, but I don't recall... Uh, striking southpaws and similar dynamics that we're going to have to see in this fight. 
Um, I think we're really going to get to see more of Rachmanov striking. Uh, his proprioception is insane. His accuracy is insane. The guy can, whether he's doing a spinning sidekick to the uh, liver side or spinning hook kicks while an opponent's moving to their head, the dude is insanely accurate. And we could see um, a lot of that accuracy on the feet, particularly in those spinning shots, I have a feeling in this fight. Uh, Jeff Neal, he is an underrated uh fighter against the cage and in wrestling early in his career he was like a, he looked like he was going to be a ground and pound guy which people don't realize um but obviously you know fell in love with the striking still has wrestling and grappling chops um you know uh which we saw in the luke fight in little brief instances right the guy can still really move hard to take down good fundamentals of pushing the head down um but those were more traditional shots that we've seen shot on him you know uh, throughout his career Whereas Rachmanov is more of the Sambo clinch style, which is different than normal clinch styles. A lot of different foot plays, uh, a lot of walking the hips in different directions than perhaps what you normally get looks off of. So that'll be very interesting there. Um, Rachmanov skinny, but also very strong. Not just knockout power, but also strong in close. Like really good leveraging strength, you can really tell that. Uh, and can hold and anchor himself into positions. So even though I think Neil will be tough to get down, um, it'll have to be off of a kind of a scrambly exchange or, or uh, again, a controlled clinch scenario if he gets that. But Rachmanov, as much as he gets there, he, he doesn't look to force it, which is good. Uh, he just seems to get there organically, which makes it also a little more difficult to predict, right, and project how exactly it's going to get there, especially when the big cage, right, so I would not be be uh, surprised to see some striking and maybe even some feeling out if they're smart, right, in that first round. We'll see. Um, Jeff Neal has notably, though, been... I was like... It was funny. I was watching it live, and I'm like, why am I getting Robbie Lawler comparisons? Like, I'm like... It's like a dream or something, or like, you know, you're picking up past notes from before. Like, oh, I'm, I'm getting my notes from last time because it's Dunbar's number, so it left my head. But there's some remnants there. Why am I getting Robbie Lawler? I know he's a powerful softball. I'm like, oh, does Neil take around two off? Oh, yeah, that, was that a note of mine? And as soon as I say that note, you know, I'm watching Jeff Neal, Luque, and round one ends. And I have that kind of flashback. And sure enough, shout out to Coach Safe Saeed. He goes, what the fuck, man? You like taking the, you like taking the second round off or something? <laughs> he just calls him out on it. Which I love. Why well, You got to love Safe, man. He's just, he's straight up, He's you know. Not worried about your feelings there. He's, he's trying to get down to business. And, um, and yeah, even his own coach called him out on that. And I think it's because if you look at the two times Jeff Neal was stopped, um, they happened in round three. And I think he's worried about his gas tank, you know. Uh, we saw some, some, some you know, him, him conserving and taking damage in the process, even when he was giving damage to Stephen Thompson in that five-round fight. But, again, I think that he worries about his gas tank. And that is fine because it is a normal worry. In fact, you ask fighters... It is what they fear most, which is normal to be afraid. Don't, you know, come at fighters with that they're, they're scared bullshit because they're more braver than any of us, you know, um, most people walk in this planet, right? And, um, yeah, it is okay. And, and, and for one, and for two, it's okay to be scared. And for three, um, they're scared for good reason because there, there's nothing scarier than being tired when someone wants to kick your ass. Um, so I get it. But I think his fix for that, kind of like Lawler's and other fighters, you know, whether they're worried about their gas tank, whether it's a natural thing, an age thing, or whatever the reason, you will see them take, you know, even the greats like Jose Aldo. He took rounds to recoup, right? 
and Jeff Neal does the same. So I think round two is going to be a very hot round. Uh, so you know me. I like me some round two, and I invested in it here. I didn't invest in it crazy. In fact, I split my bet between round two since it was only plus 375. I put 0.33 Scotty P, Scotty Pippen, 0.33 units, plus 375 round two, Shavkat Rachmanov. And I did round three for 0.117 U, baby. Uh, plus 700 on round three. So that's over a unit return um, on each. Uh, round two actually pays more um, with the way that I divvied up the exposure. But yeah, that is my only exposure on this fight. I don't think I'm going to take anything else, to be honest. Um, I'm just I'm, I'm playing for rounds. Again, when, when you got the CLV crowd and the hype crowd and just over-inflation city, you got the prohibited favorites that John Anik mentions where you really can't bet them. I, just, I play rounds at that point, man. I'm playing rounds at that point, you know. Um, Theo C. Jr., yo, Dan, what up, Theo? How's it going, my man? Rain Lamina, Eduardo Tellez, uh, <laughs> playing less. Uh, Eduardo Tellez shot, I love it, I love it. The Joe De Aldo of Where's Waldo. Um, funny enough, Neil also dropped around two to Pons. That's another thing, too. I didn't rewatch that fight this time, admittedly, folks. But I rewatched that many times before, and as I brought up to you guys before, there's an argument Ponza Nibio won that fight too, a, a pretty a pretty decent one. So again, yeah, I I get I get it with uh with with with, with Neil. So yeah, those, those are my uh, those are my plays there, and those are also my only plays thus far. I'll tell you what else uh, I'm looking at. Um, we got Mateusz Gamrot minus one seventy, Jylan Turner. Plus 145. I wanted to have a take for you guys on this fight, so I, I was cramming this fight all the way up until. And there's one thing I didn't look at. So I was going Mateus Gamrat to wrestle, but he's fighting short notice, so I'm definitely don't want to. I'm not going to bet him, obviously, right? But you know, he he is fighting short notice, and I don't like betting on the fighters short notice. Let me see where Turner. None. No, uh, he's got one round three finish, like back a decade ago in his amateur career. All Turner's finishes are in rounds one or two. Turner didn't necessarily seem to get tired in the Frivola fight. Did better than I thought, uh, better than I remember. The scores might represent. Does a lot of damaging things, some good, some decent scrambles. You know that fight was how long ago? Now he's only gotten better. He's gotten his brown belt in jujitsu. You know, that fight was four years ago. And when I went back to watch Turner's recent fights, which I did, um, the takedowns, how he was doing against Weaver, Malarkey, and uh, Riddell, even though that's like, Riddell's hurt, and that's the beginning of the end right there, which I, I did call. Speaking of the plus 700 club, thank you, Mr. Turner, for getting me in the 700 club last time, Officer Brad Riddell. I did call that club and some folks. So I got good respect for Mr. Turner, and he seems like a, a fun pick, and I get it. He's a plus number. And, man, I started thinking, like, maybe I should pick him here too. He is the one with the full camp, you know. Uh, I don't think he's going to be able to sub Gamrot with a low single. He's going to have to do another club and sub on him first. But Gamrot, as we saw with the Dariush fight, southpaw counters from that left hand is live, right? That's what knocked him down. And as I went back to read my breakdown before he fought Sarukian in a fight that I, I scored for Sarukian, 
and pick Sarukian. I didn't bet it, so it wasn't any of that bias playing there. But in the breakdown, I read it's it's you know because Garamrot moves laterally, kind of a similar note um, I mentioned with the Grasso um, power kicks you can corral him with, and uh, he's not beyond being hit with counters. For as diverse as his offenses from both stance, Gamrot, you know, he can jab and fight from both stances fairly well. Shoot from both stances fairly well. The defense not necessarily there. And Mr. Turner can be offensive. He can counter. He can strike in the small spaces. Uh, he's a good southpaw kicker. Although, again, Gamrot is a guy who will consistently counter kicks himself. Uh, more importantly, counter them by catching them and taking you down off them. He loves to do that. Um, if the question is how good a shape is he in, you know, and I went to listen to the interviews as I was showering before I got on here. Um, and, uh, I don't put too much weight into the interviews, but it's a way to get studying done when I can't physically watch tape. I have to do something where something I can play audio in the background. I'll do that. And tell me what you guys think. I didn't watch it, but a Turner sounds like he's having a terrible weight cut and he's had those before. Um, both in victory and defeat. And he's a big guy, so it makes sense. And you look at Turner's age, 27, okay? He's still young, but uh, I don't think he's going to be a lightweight by the time he hits 30, for example. That's when I'll start watching him, right? Even more so in that department. But, you know, even though he's the one with the full camp, this, this is a crazy game, you know? Uh, the body's a hard thing to predict. He looks like a guy where everything has to go right for him to make the weight. Whereas Gamrot... Sounds like he was itching for a fight, and sometimes the only way to get fights, especially when you're a lightweight and no one wants to fight you, and the matchmakers don't give a shit to book any quality fucking lightweights, it kind of made sense that Gamrot was like, my last fight was six months ago, I want to fight again. Um, I've been waiting, you know? Or not six months ago, or like, maybe close. Well, almost like five months ago or whatever, you know? And I've been waiting, waiting to fight again. I want to stay active. He looks like he's in shape. You know, even before he took the fight, for what it's worth. And I like his mentality. Sounds like he's got Jalen Turner broken down. I don't know how well he does, you know, against Southpaws other than Daryush and, you know, a couple weird bouts against Norman Park back, you know, uh, back before he was in the UFC. Um, so he's he's technically 2-1-1 one one against uh, UFC-level Southpaws. But he says the height doesn't bother him. He, he doesn't mind tall guys. Um... Who knows? How much of it is him just saying that, right? But he did bring up a good point, Gamrod did. And he was, for me, everyone talking about me having to get used to his style. He's going to have to get used to my style. He was expecting a complete different body type um, from a guy who doesn't really switch stances and strikes and doesn't wrestle in Dan Hooker. I mean, Turner's getting a complete different matchup. I would have loved Turner in that fight. I heard he was a dog. I didn't even get a chance to look at it. But I would have been on Turner there. Um... But I get why he's a dog here. I think Gamrot can wrestle. He will test his submission ability. You know, Frivola got to like one of Gamrot's more favored uh, Kimura spots that we saw him hit uh, Jeremy Stevens with. Um, you know, Gamrot really likes to isolate those uh, those arms. He will he will go for some legs. We saw you know Turner get uh, kind of tripped up on some leg lock stuff in that. Frav I want to say in that Frivola fight, uh, if memory comes comes clean. This is tough, man. I feel like it's dog or pass for sure from a betting perspective. But I think I'm going to go with Gamrot. Um, I did everything but make a pick, guys. I usually don't make picks on the air. And nor I hate when people do that. It's like, okay, this person's clearly making the pick while they're doing the podcast. How, how, how confident should we be? I did do the legwork for this one, folks. Um, I just did everything but make the pick before I, I rushed my ass on here. 
And yeah, I'm uh, I'm rooting for Turner. I'm rooting for you betters. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get there though. We'll see. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get there. I think um, I think Gamrot's going to roll here by uh, by decision despite the short notice. But because of the short notice, I definitely do not want to bet it. So tentative Gamrot pick for me, I guess. Ugh. Uh, Bo Nickel minus 1400, Jamie Pickett plus 850. I'm not even going to do this until I have to write my main card article because the, the lines are so stupid and the matchup is so dumb that I wasn't going to waste time studying that for y'all. So sorry. Um, taking Bo Nickel. No surprise. Garbrandt minus 165, Trevin Jones plus 140. Um, again, this is dogger pass, folks. I may pick Garbrandt by decision, but it might be super reluctant. That check right hook's just going to be live the whole time, you know? The thing is, though, is Trevin Jones, I probably would pick him straight up if he was not coming on short notice. But again, Trevin Jones is fighting on short notice. I know he's won under those conditions before. But Garbrandt, unlike uh, Jalen Turner, who was getting ready for a complete different opponent, he was actually getting ready for a southpaw who was a better striker in Julio Arce. So this is actually a, de a decent uh, switch up for Garbrandt, in my opinion. So... I'll see where I end up. Check me at Dan Tom MMA on Fight Day, but uh, there ain't no way I'm betting Cody Garbrandt, regardless of what the pick is. So be careful on that fight. Um, oh my God, we got Drakus Duplessis minus two forty, Derek Bunsen plus two hundred. You know it was funny, man. Like I was like I was talking to my buddy Aaron. I was like, you know, especially you know with these, you know, trying to keep that same energy, trying to be polite, you know, or whatever. Try not to be a dick and, like, you know, uh, maybe in the interest of just self-preservation, trying to get a job and showing that I'm not too inappropriate. Maybe I should drop that Third Reich, uh, Third Reichist uh nickname, right? You know? I haven't heard him go on any diatribes recently, right? The guy looks like he was over there at, he was over there at Sanford MMA getting some work in. And now all of a sudden, everyone from Sanford MMA from Ben and Allen is calling him out. He's fighting a former Sanford MMA guy. Like, what happened there? You know, did something happen? You know, because uh, with the fighters, you know, I've heard I've heard rumblings of uh, you know, maybe his coach uh, saying some uh, off-color things to piss people off uh, in the community. We'll just say that, right? And then motherfucker comes out here with his uh, you know, uh, varsity jacket because those are cool. And uh, with a big C, which, uh, what does that stand for? You know, colonizer. I don't know. But uh, Mr. South Africa, Third Reich is Duplessis coming out here and he's starting his thing again, talking about being the real Af... Oh, I'm the real African champion. Oh, I'm the real African champion. Me and this other white guy. <laughs> we wake up in Africa. We breathe African air. I don't look... I don't want to say finish that sentence, but I just feel like that's what Dreykus Duplessis is about to say every time, and he's about to go on like some really racist thing. Um, shout out to my guy Fenyo. USC likes racist guys, <laughs> and now like and now Duplessis like he's out here like going on those diatribes, and he's he's out here saying he deserves to be on the main card, and he's gonna beat the champ, and why am I not on the main card? And listen, I get it, right? Like, like you know what I'm saying? You got you got you know Sergey. 260 pounds of white power Pavlovich out here posting memes tagging the UFC and Dana White uh, with racist memes and how to, again 
shout out to Venya. UFC likes racist guys. How do they? <laughs> I'm not saying anything about. I like Sergey. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying the guy posts the racist fucking re reshares and makes sure his bosses and the general public sees his racist 260 pounds of white power meme. How do they reward him? Guy already booked up with a match for with a deserving guy like Blades. We're gonna give him the step in. Uh, we'll give him the free paycheck. Uh, he doesn't have to cut cut any weight as a heavyweight. To be the stand-in, you know? That's who we want representing. Nice, wholesome blonde, right? Like uh, Patty Pimblett, real wholesome uh, there. Uh, so, you know, again, you know, Pim yeah, yeah, again, Pimblett, you see, uh, uh, you know, Connor. You see all the way, all these things, like these people, like, you know, act and how, how, uh, how we reward it, right? Um, like, yeah, like, I get it. Like, I'd be pissed if I was Duplicy, too. D Duplicy's like, yo! 260 pounds of white power guy gets the standing spot. I'm out here saying I'm the only real African as a white guy, and I can't get past the prelims. Like, I feel you, Duplicy. According to the UFC and how they've typically gone about booking both middleweights and racist dudes, you are getting undersold, sir. You are getting absolutely undersold. That <laughs> being said, I think Duplicy wins this fight, even though I'd like to see Brunson. I'd love to see Brunson give it to him. Um, you know, um, uh, but unfortunately for Brunson and his, uh, reduced child support that he is oddly, uh, in a strange way, proud, uh, proud of, uh, weird flex, weird flex. Uh, listen, I'm not, you know, I I'm for fair and equal systems and, and people not getting, taking advantage of systems and all that, but, uh, weird flex, right? Weird flex. I think we can agree. Weird flex. Um, you know, hopefully for his kid's sake, uh, again, Weird flex, not sure how much you <laughs> get some extra dough. Um, but, uh, but you know, uh, despite all that, rooting for Brunson. Um, not sure if I'll pick him. Uh, I feel like Duplicy round two is like what popped into my head. I, when this matchup got announced, I was like, this is a bad matchup for Brunson. Um, another round two member, uh, I had the round two call for Cannoneer specifically. <clears throat> I feel like Brunson's at the age where he's going to start falling apart and gassing out and running himself into a wall. Or even though he's more technically superior than Duplicy and will probably have inside information, like Duplicy, despite all odds, as you see in that Brad Tavares clip that I always repost, like how the f did he win that fight? I'm sure Duplicy is going to do some shit again, powered by apartheid and just fucking doing the Duplicy dash. Uh, powered by apartheid over there. Shouts to uh, my guy Phil uh, Phil McKenzie, evil Greg Jackson. Um, yeah. <laughs> Captain Africa, Dreykus, has the same energy as Juliana Pena saying she's the real mom champ. Great shout, yes. Yeah, he has all the Juliana Pena energy as well, which says a lot. Um, Ghost Phantom, we got Brunson chin up so high, he's looking up at the lights and Duplicy gassing out hard. Oh my god, yeah, it's going to be a shit show. Um, we'll see if I pull the trigger on Duplicy round two or if I even pick him. Uh, I still have to run this fight a bit through the comb. It is one of the fights I was kind of interested in in a weird fucking I can't look away the car accident is so bad kind of an interest <laughs> category Kyle Johnson bow nickel inside the distance maybe a parlays of anything from that night I mean yeah but I think even that's at minus 400 and uh, last time I looked that uh, was over 24 hours ago who knows what it's at now um, synchro wing I'm just a fan what does dogger pass mean um, and what context do you normally use that term? Yeah, you hear me say that a lot. Um, it's also a name of a really good podcast, the Dogger Pass Podcast. Shout out to CJ and Paul Shag. Um, it's just essentially a term that, uh, you know, you don't trust the favorite for whatever reason. 
it's a big number. It could be a many contextual reasons that lead you to that conclusion, but the conclusion slash definition uh, of dog or pass or why you would come to that conclusion means, uh, you know, even whether I'm picking the favorite or not, um, the under if the underdog is live, you know, so, so sometimes you can say, well, this is dog or pass because, uh, you know, I'm picking the favorite, right? And Gamrot, for example, but, but he's taking the fight on short notice. The line... Uh, not only is it not where it should be, it's also not at a sexy place to, to get you a decent return for what you're ultimately risking. So for those, even though I'm picking the favorite, why would I play it, right? Um, and maybe it's a, a crappy matchup, and it's a crappy line, and the underdog's a crappy fighter, so maybe you're best off not playing anything, and that's the play. But if it's a crappy line for the favorite, but not a crappy line necessarily for the underdog, who is a good fighter and very live, that could be context for a dog or pass. But dog or pass basically means either take the underdog or keep moving. That's the safe, safer approach. There is no safe approaches in betting, much less betting on MMA, folks. This is a game of luck, whether people want to admit it or not. It's a dangerous game. you got to be very lucky. Uh, Amanda Hibosh, minus 130. Viviana Araujo. Uh, plus 110. Open at minus 110 as a pick -em. Um, my initial instinct, I like Ada Ujo, especially after watching uh, her. She seemed like a fighter that was afraid to gas for good reason. But she, even though lost, like I predicted in the later rounds, to get slightly edged out like I predicted, still comported herself better and grappled more than I expected she would against Grasso. Um, so if you're on Ada Ujo at plus money, I don't blame you, you know. Again, this is another dogger pass spot. This isn't exactly a dogger's pass. It opens as a pick em, no matter which way the public pushed it. Uh, the public could have pushed it the other way, and I probably still would have picked Ada Ujo, but I definitely would not be tempted on a bet. And I probably won't bet this fight either way, and not betting it is probably the smart move either way. But this also could be looked at as a classic dogger pass. You have a competitive fight, that's a pick em, and the public money drives the fighter that you think should be favored or has a better chance of winning to underdog price. Well kind of tempting on the dog there and what's going to be ultimately a competitive match no matter how you cut it dog or pass check me at damn tom mma to see where i end up on fight day for that one but i'm definitely leaning toward out ujo no bet um speaking of not agreeing with the public uh marquez opened as the favorite got pushed to dog money uh, i don't know if that's that the whole fade james kraus thing and he was a fighter who had to recently shake up his camp so if people are fading that angle i get i get it I do have some personal bias toward Marquez, which may be, uh, which might be driving me toward his way there. Um, and again, bias or not, when you have someone open as the favorite and the line does a complete flip, you don't have to justify to anybody for taking the shot there, um, because the value argument is on your side. And I, I, I'm a contrarian. I hate typical betting trends. And I dislike most of the betting public. So if you're betting against the betting public, I'm fucking rooting for you 100%. Um, so there's that too. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I have to look into this fight a little more, folks. Um, but don't be surprised if you see me pick Marquez. Don't know if I'll get there as a play. Kyle Johnson, Di Diamond Dallas, <laughs> Duplessis gimmick, or probably didn't fly the old black. Fly didn't fly. Diamond Dallas Duplessis gimmick didn't. <laughs> gimmick probably didn't fly in the old Black Zillions gym. Yeah, I'm. I'm guessing not. I don't know. Uh, 
if it was uh, too colorful for him. Uh, interpret that as you will. I don't know, man. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ, Danny, you wonder. Oh, I'm going to try to be good and uh, not be controversial toward the fighter. And you say that shit there. I'm sorry. The guy brings it on himself, man. Fucking guy looking like a, 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 a Hitler youth super soldier claiming to be the real African. You cannot script this shit. These things happen in MMA. That they do, sadly. Um, James Kendrick, word on the street, in parentheses, Santino DeFranco. Rebus has awkward movement that makes her open to right hands. I would totally agree with that. I could see that, yeah. Um, Kyle Johnson, over or goes the distance seems like the safest play on Rebus out of Ujo, but Amanda's chin worries me. Me too, which is why I just say dogger pass again on that fight. Um, oh, speaking of real Africans, uh, Cameron Simon... <laughs> Minus 250 against Leo Mata Martinez. Jesus Christ. Oh, the real African. South Africa. Oh, no, South Africa. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'll go. I mean, you know. Uh, that real raw African power, bro. Uh, let me go into one of those style of breakdowns, right? That'd be it's hilariously appropriate for these kind of fights. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with a raw African power of Simon over Martinez. That's what I'm gonna go. Um, Leomardo Martinez wakes up and breathes Texas air, but you know Simon breathes African air because he's a real African. So we're gonna we're gonna go with Simon there. Um, Jesus, Dan, you're gonna get your ass kicked. All right, oh we. <laughs> Ian Gary, prohibited favorite minus seven fifty versus Canon Song. Comeback plus 500. Again, marketable, wholesome. I mean, Ian Gary doesn't have anything, says anything, you know, racist that I'm aware of. He just does, you know, they just keep setting up to have these really cheap. <laughs> I'm not here to bar take part. I'm here to take over. <laughs> and have his cheesy little moment. And we're just like, oh, what can happen with this guy? Uh, year after year, they keep not giving him a step up. Are they trying to compete with Michael Venom Page matchmaking in Bellator? I don't know. But it's not as fun of a project as MVP, even. Tabitha Ricci, minus 230. Jessica Penny, plus 195. This feels like a crazy matchup. That, like, Tabitha Ricci should be the favorite. She's my pick initially when this is announced. But I didn't look at the line, and I felt like this should be close line because I feel like she's going to play right into Penny's wheelhouse. So... We'll see about that. Didn't research it. Obviously, not sure I will, if I'm being honest. Um, Estefan Rebovich uh, will now face Lok Radzaboff. Minus 300. He's coming in short notice, but he opened as the favorite. Minus 250. We'll see there. Um, I have to look into it to see who I pick. Probably won't end up with the favorite. Who knows? Vic's handsome fellow, though, huh? Uh, Farid Basharat. Um... I don't know if you guys caught Aaron mentioning it passing by, but uh, I had to uh, uh, negotiate some space and uh, uh, share the cage, the Octagon at Extreme Couture when I was doing the pre-show live from the Octagon last Saturday because uh, uh, Fareed Basharat was in there with his brother and Jake Shields drilling. Um, lucky enough, Jake Shields was uh, super kind and was more than gracious enough to share the Octagon. And, uh, yeah, it didn't beat me up for... Uh, Anything so that's great. It's always a good. It's always a good day. Uh, but no, um, like I, I referenced before, the Bashra brothers and Shields. Like you always see them drilling in the gym. Drillers make killers. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm not impressed with uh, Demone Blackshear from what I remember. 
Uh, I think Bashra cannot work him. We'll have to look closer into this fight. But yeah, surprise, surprise. I will probably end up picking the favorite. Uh, Rio Susan Truesdale. Ian Gary versus some guy. And Ian Gary fumbling his words while trying to act like Connor. Basically is like all I get. That's all I get. Um, you know, no disrespect to the Irish. Uh, 209. All right, I got to get out of here. I, I got another podcast I got to jump on and another article to do. Uh, and my eye is, is killing me, and these lights are fucking killing me, and I went over two hours again. Apologies. Um, last one, word on the street again. Santino DeFranco, if Ricci wrestles Penne, she should win, since Lupe did judo on Penne and was able to put her hooks along the cage. I know, but Lupe also got um, uh, BS juked on the decision, despite powerbombing her opponent. And guess who was on that bo- that BS one, huh? Yeah, boy. So I probably have a little bit of too much PTSD to cash, but good luck on you, uh, to Santino DeFranco, whom I should probably start listening to his stuff. He seems like a good cat, huh? Uh, listening to. All right, we're going to recap uh, before we get out of here. So speak your piece now in the chat or forever hold your peace. Uh, taking Gone. Gone where? Over Jones. Taking Shevchenko over Grasso. Taking the shave cat Rachmanov over Hands of Steel Neil. Uh, probably taking Gamrod over Mr. Turner, but I'm rooting for Mr. Turner and all of you playing him. Uh, taking Nickel over Pickett. Um, we'll see where I end up on Garbrandt versus Jones, but there ain't no way I'm betting Garbrandt. Uh, we'll see where I end up on Third Rikus Duplessis versus uh, Bronson, uh, but. Um, yeah, that round two duplicity is sticking out to me. Um, leaning toward Araujo over uh, Hibash. Uh, not sure if I'll play that. Uh, maybe I'll be too scared of the WMMA despite you know being dialed in on it. Um, I'm actually going to try to look at that one. As well as Marquez over Barrio. I'll probably pick Marquez. Not sure if I'll end up playing it. Dangerous fight. Um, maybe I'll just take like a wild submission flyer on Marquez regardless of what side I pick. Um, because his submissions and burial, you know, yeah, uh, that, that's gonna, you know, maybe his pressure makes burial shoot. I know he's got the iron chin. We'll see. Uh, taking Simon, uh, the real Africans, uh, another real African on the card, Simon apparently over Martinez. Um, taking Gary over Song, taking Ricci over Penne. Uh, Maybe it could be a low-key parlay piece, right? Like they're saying in the chat. But, like, uh, again, I'm PTSD from that. Taking Basharat over Blackshear. Um, we'll see who I take for Radzaboff over Rebovich. Plays, I am on... Uh, I took I took some sprinkle shots on Gone's, Gone round 3, 4, and 5, plus 1,800, plus 2,200, plus 2,800. You guys get better numbers than me, as per usual, especially if you attach the KL method to that. Gone is... Stupid enough to try for a submission on Jones. Not that he'll probably get it. Um, but whatever. I'm okay losing that money. It's fine. Just for the returns. It's a matchup I don't know how you can be confident on. So I'm only going to bet very little for fun. For possible return. Did put a decent amount. Two ducats. Two units. On the under 4.5 rounds. In the co-main event with Shevchenko Grasso. Minus 150. For 1.33 return, and I took some of that and sprinkled it over to uh, sprinkle on Shevchenko. Um, round two plus 500. 20 bucks I don't want to see again, and plus 950.13 unit, 13 bucks. Bad luck, 13. Plus 950 Shevchenko round two KO are my sprinkles there. Also took some round shots for the shaved cat Rachmanov. 
plus 700 round three, 0.17 U, plus 375 round two, 0.33 U. Uh, and those are my only plays thus far. Going to try to find places where I can round robin. Going to try the Circa app. If anyone else can recommend stuff that I can access in Vegas, that will allow me round robin at least rounds, if not methods as well. as round methods and the like would be fucking awesome. Please hit me up at DanTomMMA. MixedMartialAnalyst.com supports this year's show. Again, wasn't able to monetize this episode, so no money for this. All my labor, again, you know, fun, rewarded. But uh, if you're feeling generous, you want to do click-throughs for Amazon or on it, I have click-through banners at MixedMartialAnalyst.com. You have to scroll down or toggle to the right slightly, slightly above those where you click through through no uh, extra cost to you. It takes a small percentage of your purses, purchase, kicks it back to this here program. Uh, or above those, there's a secure PayPal link, which you can also find in my link tree, at DanTomMMA on Twitter, where I am most active. Um, PayPal link there if you're feeling generous and are able to hit off any of my um, analysis. Uh, at the PYM Podcast on all social feeds and platforms, um, it really helps. Uh, any extra shares this week will be helpful. Everything gets lost because everyone's got the FOMO, including me, which is what stresses me out so damn much. So I'd rather be out with uh, my friends right now than um, doing this for free. I already do it for free, but now I'm really doing it for free with uh, YouTube screwing me. So any help on the shares and like, I'm not asking for your money, but any help on the shares and likes this week, I really, really would appreciate it, especially for that main event breakdown. I really would appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Um, Going to clean up the chat and get out of here. Michael Panza, Dan, what's the other podcast? Uh, I don't know what other podcast is. Uh, I, I do a pre-show with uh, my guy Aaron that'll play on his Twitter and his channels at Aaron Bronsitter. We do that on Fight Day. We're probably gonna pre-record it tomorrow. Um, I was on Sirius XM this week. Uh, I'm doing uh, my guy Skyler's podcast. I'm late to that right now. Uh, I did the Burst Your Bubble podcast. Shout to my guy uh, Skyler and the crew over there. Hopefully that answers your question. I'll also be on. Um, uh, spinning back click next Monday, and it's a double event week. You got two like light, lightweight Grand Prix fights on Bellator, and I'll actually be at the fights on Saturday. Bellator's on a Friday, so it's just nonstop, man. It's like on a 14 week nonstop thing. And I just got clear I'm going to Bellator Hawaii in the middle of this 14 week thing, and that's a double week because there's also a UFC event going on that week. So I'm going to be fucking dust. I got to start really edging some time out for myself to survive. Thank you, Rio Sos and Truesdale, for the good show, Dan. Um, Jim Grosso, are you hoping Grosso pulls it off because of the weird Shevchenko stands? Yeah, that would be awesome. I love Grosso, especially if she can do it. My underbet can still cash. Kyle Johnson, good luck to everyone on their picks and bets. You the man, Kyle. Hope friends and family are well, Dan. Thank you, Kyle. You're a gem. Thank you. I appreciate those. Good show, Dan, from Ghost Phantom. Thank you, sir. Alvin Yakatori, thank you, Mr. Tom, for the great show. I wish those covering the show, as well as fighting a great weekend of performances and a wonderful time. You're the man, Alvin. Love the positivity. Um, Joe May, thanks, Dan. You're welcome. Um, James Kendrick, are you surprised that most of us are reasonable fans and not John Jones bandwagoners? Uh, yes, but no, because you're on this weird show, and I seem to attract some really cool fucking people, even if it is a niche audience. I appreciate the fuck out of all you guys. So good luck on your picks and plays, and always protect the neck.
strange reactions. <laughs>